Sound effects. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> or was that you? That was me. Okay, all right. I thought, <laughs> I thought, you, I thought you paid for that. No. All right. We're live. Ron White. <laughs> hey, Joe. Look like you're ready to take notes. I, I signed hand. this, you know, you, you shove some paperwork at me when I don't have my glasses. I don't even know what it says. You have glasses on. I do. Yeah. I do. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure, but I think I've just agreed to... You know, you're fine. We trust me. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do anything terrible to you. No, you're my friend. I know. That. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> we have a mutual admiration society that we don't let anybody else in. It's so been so People nice. People want in, but fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> it's been so nice having you around the store, man. I got to tell you, it's yeah. really fun. Yeah, it's great having you around too, man. It's our, our little home base up there. It's, it's a fucking hoot. It is right. It's like uh, you work on everything there and then venture forth. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a spot. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I've just got this big quandary now, whether to even do another special or what it would do for me. And, you know, Netflix is offering me money, but they're not offering me, you know, huge money. They're offering me regular money. And, <laughs> You're uh, trying to figure out if you want to? Yeah, you know, it takes me, I'm not like uh, some comics, you know, some comics that spit out an hour a year, and uh, and I don't, you know. I, it takes me three years to write a new record, you know, that, but it's good, you know, but it's, you know, but it takes me forever to do it. I'm just not that prolific, I guess, anymore. That's, that's the big debate with comedians, like how much time should you wait? And Tom Papa and I were just talking about it, and I've talked about it with Burr and with Louis C.K. and a bunch of different guys, and Louis is doing like one a year for a while, but he stopped doing that, and I think he kind of agrees now that when you do one a year it's almost like um it's a special full of like uh adolescent premises yeah yeah and i've always found that my stuff ripens well you know on the vine if i leave it there if i pick it too early you know i used to do a, a bit that was on my last album and the punchline's not even on the album the punchline i wrote later which was uh, it's about my wife buying me a bicycle thinking i might ride it for you know health reasons and it, it's for sale and if you're looking for a bicycle, it's a great deal. It's got 750 yards on it. It was a demo when I bought it. It had 350 yards already on it, but I put the other 400 yards on it myself. That was the whole joke. Now, here's the punchline. And if you'd like to buy the bicycle, just go to my house in Beverly Hills, and it's 400 yards from there. So I didn't even have the punchline. I don't even know what I thought was funny about the other part, but when I went back and listened to it, I'm like, I could start doing that bit again because they still don't know how it ends if I wanted to. You know? <laughs> Mitch Hedberg did that. He had a bit on his album, and he goes, this is a bit from my old album. And then he does a bit. He goes, this is the part I left out. <laughs> oh, really? And this is the new punchline. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny thing, you know, development of material. Like, you're the only one who really knows when it's done. And you, you, sometimes you'll, you'll have something. I've had bits that I, I didn't put on specials that I was doing. I was like, this thing is not just, it's not ready. And then maybe two specials later, I'll stick it in somewhere. Right. Yeah, so I don't know, you know, that Netflix wants an hour. I, I really think Netflix specials should be 30 minutes. I, re I really do. Because I would do a 30-minute special and not and not burn an hour of material on it. Uh, and, you know, I I go back. I watched yours the other day, which was great. And, uh, and uh, I watched... Um, Oh, the uh, Ali Wong's special, and it was just long. You know, it it's just long. An hour's a long time uh, to, for for a special, and and I, as much as I was impressed by Ali, and I still am impressed by Ali, uh, but I've been impressed with what I see in the club. Right. When I go back and watch your special, 
I see what kind of confidence that brought her, that success of that thing. It made her a better comic. You know, she now she really has a great, I mean, a, a be, even better presence on stage and works even slower and, and more commanding. But I can, you know, that's what I learned from watching it was, you know, that kind of, that kind of success makes you better. You know, yeah, for confidence. sure. For her, I mean, she's sort of emerging right now. You know, right. she's one of those people that, you know, people start to talk about. She's very, very funny. She's really cool, too. Really nice person. But it's just nasty and funny on stage. It's right. Yeah, fucking no, vicious. And, and I don't know her because now she's got a kid. So as soon as she gets off stage, she's out of there. So right. I, I, I talked to her on stage a couple of times when she was bringing me up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, she's that's a, that's very how, friendly. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I'd like an hour. I'd like an hour. I'd like a, a good hour special. You know, maybe you just don't want to. I'm cheap. You just don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm cheap. I don't want to do the work, man. It's so daunting to put a. I mean, my last special was an hour and twenty minutes, and I and that's just cause how that's how long it was. And when I when I sold it, I'm like, I don't want to go edit it. You know, right. it, it works like that. You can have the whole thing, <laughs> and then I'm standing there naked. You know, I could have gotten away with forty eight minutes. Uh, you know, because it was on television and nobody saw it on TV because it was on CMT. Nobody watches fucking CMT. So nobody's even heard the last album and I don't do it. You know, Isn't country music television, isn't that real popular? Was it, Not, did they call it country music television anymore or they just call it CMT? But it started uh, yeah. out as... Yeah, I think it still stands for country music television. But, but they're it, trying to do a bunch of other shit now too, right? They try to do, you know, they did a... I, did, I had a special with them once a year and I would do, then I would just have to come up with 15 minutes, and uh, which was doable, you know, I, I, that, that I could actually put on TV. Most of it I shouldn't even have put on TV, but uh, but that was great. And it was the salute to the troops thing and raise money and awareness for good stuff. And then they quit doing it and uh, somehow bought my special. And uh, put, but so I just, you know, I, if I do a bit from it, you know, it, it kills like nobody's heard it, so I really don't think anybody really heard it. It only sold 12 copies, so those people, you know. 12? No. Yeah, they know it. I, I no, have no idea how many. That's, we were talking about that before the show, about, like, buying things. Like, nobody buys comedy albums anymore. They don't. They just don't make any money. Right. Like, like none. Yeah, I, I, and you know what? And I just started uh, uh, watching stuff on Netflix the other day because I just wanted to watch some of the specials of the, some of the people I knew up there to see what they were doing, you know, what, what they were working on. And and uh, now why would you buy a fucking record? <laughs> you can just flip it over to Netflix and watch it. You know? Well, I like listening to shit in my car. I like when people release things on iTunes. Yeah, I did that. Uh, my, my, uh, my best uh, uh, comedy album store story and i don't mean this to be mean or anything else uh but it was uh i was watching the red the record sales because my records was selling and then uh then dane cook comes in and he just blows by me and i'm like who's this guy because I'm, I'm not a la guy i'm a road guy you know right. we don't know what's going on out here nor do we give a shit and uh but i thought well it must be so i was at a bookstore and i saw it and i thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna buy it and see what it see what it's like so literally i'll listen to it on the way home when i got home i pulled it out threw it in the trash not <laughs> not to be mean but just because i don't keep things i don't use right. and i knew i wouldn't listen to it again and i wasn't going to give it to somebody else to listen to and so it, i don't need it anymore it's uh it we've run our you know run our thing and and uh, not to say anything bad about uh dang because that you know, plenty of bad things have been said but and uh <laughs> But I just, yeah. I, I was so uninto it that I'm like, if that's what they're doing out there, then uh, they're getting away with murder because <laughs> those aren't punchlines. I'm sorry to tell you. Well, that was a weird time. He locked into some weird thing where he sort of appealed to young girls. 
Like he did comedy yeah, design never for young girls. <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's not you. It's not me either. Yeah, it's not a lot of us. Well, he had you know he had that fascinating stage presence too, and you know just really walk on stage and take command of anything. I you know I I don't know if he can still do it, but at, at one time I'd watch him and I'm like you like him or not. If you're a comic, you could probably learn something from watching him. It was a young comic, you know, just walk up there and start doing it. Stare him down. Don't be timid, you know. And he was great stage, stage present, but the content, I was like, why? What? What? <laughs> well, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why don't we? But, and now I guess it's turned around on him. I mean, it's not, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it turned around on him when that whole Louis C.K. plagiarism thing came out, and there's a lot of shit going on. It right. was. Was it he was supposed a, to have sold something, sold something from Lewis? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Like a lot of things. Yeah. Before Lewis was famous? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's when it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, right. Lou, Louis was... Get uh, them while they're young. Well, that's... Louis wasn't young. Louis was older than him. But Louis, he made it first. He broke through first. Right. And then it became a giant controversy. Like, Louis even addressed it on his television show. Like, he had Dane on as a, a guest on his show. That. Yeah, and they kind of yeah. went over it. It was very weird. Like, Louis, did, he's so nice. Like, the way he handled it was so nice. Like, he wasn't mean about it at all. Right. He's not like you in Mencia. Well, that was a different story. That was just the best thing ever. That was a different story. You had every comic in the country just cheering your fucking name, man. Go get him, Joe. And, and you're such a badass. What's he going to do? Slap you? You know, <laughs> you can either listen to it. Or he can beat you up, or whatever you want. What are you gonna do? That was the worst I've ever seen, though. I've seen I've seen plagiarists before. I've seen guys get away with stealing people's shit. But I've never seen someone that blatant. He was a bully about it. Like he would do your shit. He would go on in front of you and do your shit. Like he would bring you up at the store and do your closing bit before he brought you up. Man. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Like a serial killer wants to get caught. You know. You think that's what it is? Yeah, I do. I really do. I really do. Well, you know, the, the the only thing that matters to me really is, I mean, or the thing I'm most proud of is that I'm respected by my peers, that I didn't get here in some fucking cheap way. I did my fucking 30 years and uh, in 9 million clubs and 12,000 shows. And and if I didn't have that, I don't know if I'd be able to show my face around here. No, and, uh, you wouldn't. That's all there is, I think, is to... I think for people like us, it's probably the most important thing because there's so few of us. I mean, what, is there a thousand working comedians? Is there even a thousand? I mean, there might not even be a thousand. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tiny, tiny subculture. Tiny. And out of that subculture, maybe 300 of them, I want to see, you know? Yeah. Maybe, if, maybe, right, if, maybe, right? So you're one of 300 people out of 300 million. That's a... That's a tiny amount. Fuck yeah, Ron yeah, White. Look fuck at you. Yeah. I'm getting all, I'm getting buff. I'm getting buff just sitting here. You got fired up right there. I sure did. I wish we brought you tequila, man. Uh, I'm glad. I, I, I really, if I would have, I'd have sat here and drank it with you, and then I'd have been, oh, now I had to get that Range Rover back to, uh, <laughs> back to L.A. That's what, that's what Uber's for. Yeah. Listen, that's a, you got some good goddamn tequila. I, lo I love the fact that you sell your own tequila. Well, you know what? We wouldn't have done it, but the Rubeskis family that makes it wouldn't sell it here. And so we just pestered them because we couldn't buy it and and uh, until and my brother-in-law did. And he, he pestered them for four years, and they finally said, okay, you can you can bring it over there. They only sell it in Mexico? 
They they only sell it in Mexico. They and say in Mexico they sell it for three times what I sell it for here, and they only sell it in the resort cities. People coming off those boats and uh, and you know it's the best tequila that most liquor stores will ever touch. And and uh, so it was. It's called the gift of God over there. The they were I don't even know how to say it. And my Spanish? wife's man, she's Mexican, so <laughs> I still she could tell you though. Does she speak fluent? Oh yeah. Does she get mad at you and speak in Spanish? Uh, no, but what she does do is she's a voiceover artist as well as a singer. So she can do any accent there is. And she has different wigs for different accents, and she lets me fuck them all. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it's fucking great, man. That's it's fucking fantastic. great. I, and it's, I can't ask for them specifically. They just show up. Oh, what an interesting little situation. Yeah, one of them is, uh, one of them's named Donna, and she's a bank teller from Denton, Texas. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, she's uh, sloppy, man, just sloppy blowjobs, and it's different. Donna is? Yeah, Donna's. D Donna's off the charts. Is she your yeah, favorite? Yeah. There's a little French girl. There's a little. Uh, <laughs> there's a little girl from China, Jap Japan. Uh, I like them all. You know, I like to mix them up. Don't ever want to say that Donna gives a better blowjob than Margot because it's technically not true. Right. But uh, she's still like, oh really? I'm like, oh, come oh on. It's really? You. Yeah, it's you, honey. How could you say that? Yeah. How could you get upset at you? She's getting jealous of herself. Right. That's ridiculous. But it can happen. Why? Just because she spits on your dick? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, can you say that on a podcast? Yeah, you definitely can. Okay, good. For sure. Then. Yeah, some people are into that. The spitting on the dick thing. It's just like, whoa, we are getting dirty for sure. Puh, puh. Yeah, puh. it's, it's the, you know, people that can't afford lube. When do you think that started, the spitting on the dick? Because I don't think they did that in the 80s. You don't think so? I don't think so. I never saw it. You know, it just, uh, I think you porn brought it around, uh, brought it into the into the light. Yeah. Yeah. When you see variety instantaneously, like you don't have to venture forth into the weird sections. You know, like if you're in a video store back in the old days, you had to go through those beads. Right. You and I remember those. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. either saloon doors or beads. Right. We had to go into the section of the video store that had the porn, and you always felt so full of shame when you were wandering through there. It was horrible. There. It was horrible. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, nobody does this but me. But now you know. But at least back then, no one had a phone with a camera. Right. So you couldn't, like, take a video. Look, I'm watching Ron White go to the fucking dirty section. Look, he's got a bastard. lump in his pants. Oh, look at oh. this fucking Is that gay porn? Oh, at? he's looking at the gag stuff. He likes people to gag. I do. But that's the thing now. It's like you can go to any one of those websites that have the porn on it, and you can just keep scrolling. Like, oh, check this out. Check, and you get it instantaneously, and it's free. Right, but that's what I like about uh, you porn is that uh, is I don't have to worry about seeing something I don't want to see. You know, I, I'm such a raging heterosexual, and I, <laughs> I tried one time. I was in a, in a hotel room. They had gay porn. I'm like, I'm going to watch some gay porn, see if it does anything with click. Nothing, not a damn thing. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. This is fucking horrible. And I guess I'm, you know, fucking some people are just straight. Well, women like dick. So, I mean, it makes sense that some men like dick. I get it. I do, too, but I didn't get it. when I. <laughs> it just doesn't, you know. That fucking story that you're telling on stage now, the story that you told about the, the, the prostitute situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one you encouraged <laughs> me to do. It, uh... <laughs> You it's had so to funny. tell that. I'll, we were I'll, crying. I'll, I'll tell the. I'm, I'll tell your, uh, our, your, our, your, our listeners. Now they're our listeners. The, it's everybody. The, the Joe and Ron show. Thank you. I'll be here every uh, Thursday <laughs> at one thirty. 
But it was true. It's uh, I lost my virginity uh, when I was 18 years old to a girl, a, a prostitute in uh, in uh, Tijuana, Mexico, who was overweight, and her teeth had no general direction or color, but she was well within my budget. And, uh, <laughs> but I got stationed at Pearl, and if I found out after a while, once you've been on a, this one part of Oahu, on Hotel Street, these really cute girls would jump in your car and blow you for $5. And it's like the best deal I've ever even fucking heard of. I mean, I was like there twice a day, you know, and <laughs> and uh, I was there for eight months. And then like, you know, six months ago, I was watching this documentary on transvestites. And they started talking about the transvestite scene on Hotel Street on Oahu. for been there for 55 years. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I let 150 dudes suck my dick. <laughs> like, what's the record? <laughs> What's the record before you find out? Oh, right. Oh. I wonder what the record is. I don't know, but God, I have to be close. You yeah, know? I've dodged that bullet, but I've come close a gang of times. I think I've dodged the bullet. Yeah. If, if I hadn't Stuff. dodged the bullet, kudos well, to whoever the thing. pretended to be a girl. Apparently, a tongue is a tongue and a tooth is a tooth because you can't tell man mouth from woman mouth. Now, if it would have been a hand job, I'd have been going, hey, you're a plumber, dude. <laughs> get that, get that <laughs> hand off my cock. Thick gorilla yeah, hands. Jesus. What do you think I am? <laughs> yeah, and I would imagine that somebody who has a dick probably knows how to work it. I guess. Right. I tell you what, these girls had made quick work of me twice a day, 45 seconds. I was in my little Datsun B210 <laughs> heading back to the ship. Do you say girls with air quotes? With air quotes? Girls? Yeah. yeah. Well, I still don't like to think of them as dudes, you know. In my mind, <laughs> I, I, I don't let myself go. But they're still hot little girls. Not little girls. These were fully developed men with tits. <laughs> they had tits? They did. And I, I was always wondering, well, why don't they let me play with their you know they, they they let you get some titty but you start going down there where the junk is and they were like swatting your hand away i'm like Phew. now that should have been a you know maybe a, bit of a flag i don't know <clears throat> yeah well now you know yeah it's one yeah, of those right. things yeah right <laughs> so what you were in the navy is that what you're doing i was yeah? yeah how long i wasn't in real long uh they uh you know i just wasn't cut out for it I, I, I had the I, did, I had the wrong mouth for it. I stayed in trouble. I didn't, you know. I just I did a lot of drugs, and you know, I just I was horrible out. And I, they discharged me with an honorable discharge under medical conditions from the Naval Drug Rehabilitation Center in Miramar, California. Oh wow! So what did what did you have to get rehabilitated for? Well, I had actually never seen drugs till I got to the Naval <laughs> Drug Rehabilitation Center in Miramar, California. I mean, everybody had drugs. It was, you know, I was positive for heroin on a Westpac, but so were eight other people on the ship. And and uh, and uh, then when we ate a ton of acid, and you know, it was seventy-five, and I was eighteen years old, and I was off the hook, wild, and uh, and you know, they just I, actually. <laughs> in my in my hearing uh, to get me out, the 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 uh, commander of our base called me a hole in our national line of defense. <laughs> I'm like, God, that's horrible. What what's worse than that? I wonder. Nothing. That seems a little exaggerating. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I remember on, playing Red Rover. You know, <laughs> relax. <laughs> yeah, a hole in our national line defense. We weren't even at war in '75, right? Wasn't that yeah, Vietnam? Yeah, tail end of the Vietnam yeah. War. Yeah. 
Wow. Did you join or did you get drafted? No, there was no draft when I, my father drafted me. I got kicked out of high school and uh, <laughs> and and they weren't going to put me back in this time. And so I was 17 and I kind of had my life mapped out because I worked washing dishes at this uh, huge restaurant called Lynchburg Crossing in uh, close to Pasadena, Texas and right on the channel. Gigantic place. Unbelievable and served uh, family style all kinds of seafood and chicken and stuff. It was really popular. But they didn't have, they didn't go hire uh, people to uh, wash dishes. They would go bail these drunks out of jail and they had bunk houses in the back and the dishwashers would sleep back there. They'd drink all the half drinks that came back and crash there. So I really, at 17 years old, I was thinking, well, I could, uh, when I'm 17, I could join the, or 16, I, I, could, jo I could join the Merchant Marines at 17, which was wrong. And uh, and then I worked there until I retire, and then I go wash dishes until uh, I die in that <laughs> bunkhouse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like the old drunk that used to roll his joints. We couldn't roll the joints very good, and this guy could. And we came in there one day just dead as he could be. Isn't it funny when you, he was dead? Dead. Who, of? De cirrhosis. I mean, these guys were <laughs> bad. I mean, bad booze hounds. But, you know. Pretty good dishwashers. Isn't it funny when you look back in your life and getting kicked out of high school, all the trouble you were in, getting kicked out of the Navy, getting blown by a bunch of dudes accidentally? It's all the recipes of being a great comic, but nobody ever looks at it that way. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, <laughs> you don't have some of that stuff in there. What are you gonna What are you gonna write about? You know? <laughs> well, you, that's. I mean, it's almost like you have to come up to everybody who's a fuck up and go, "Look, I know you're not fitting in here, but there's yeah. a place where you do." <laughs> right. Like there's Don't a place you where you do. It out. There's a there's a fucking whole clan of us. Yeah. You just gotta you gotta figure out how to do it. I'm telling you, Joe. The first time I walked on stage, I, I literally I went to myself, "I'm a I'm a fucking comedian." <laughs> Why didn't somebody tell me? I could have avoided a bunch of that other stuff and just started. I was 29 when I figured it out. You I was know? 21. Same feeling. Oh. Right after I did it, I was like, this is it. I yeah. found it. This is yeah, it. This is, this is the one that works. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't good. I knew I wasn't good. I knew I was like, there's a lot of work to be done. But I'm like, this could be my job. I can oh, do I this. didn't think I'd ever do it professionally or anything like that. I just knew I was a comic. You know, I knew I was a comedian. And, uh, but I never ever saw all this fame and fortune shit coming. I mean, I never really sat around asking the universe for it. I never thought it would happen. Even though I watched it happen to Foxworthy, you know, he biggest selling comic of all time uh, by a lot. Uh, so more records than Pryor and Cosby combined. And uh, he blew up standing right next to me, but I never gave it one second of thought that it would happen to me. Well, when the blue collar tour kicked off and then, and then it took off for you, how old were you? Uh, was, let's see, probably 45 or so, 45 or 46. So you're just working as a comic up until 45 and then boom. Right, 16 years, clubs, 50 weeks a year, uh, doing nine shows a week, So, which is how you get good at this. You know, that's that's the best way to do it, not not here, out there, working, on, you know, different crowds. And, and then uh, Jeff, you know, signed me up for this thing, and the uh, first time I heard the idea, I told him, that's retarded. <laughs> that's, how, that's, how, that's how smart I am. <coughs> and um, the, uh, the the whole clincher to my career is Warner Brothers decided to make a movie out of that thing. And uh, and I didn't even see that. I mean, I had a, yeah, Warner Brothers going to make a movie out of it. And Kathleen Madigan's falling out of her chair. They're going, she, what? I'm like, yeah, that's what they said. But I had no idea what that meant. You know, I don't know. I'm an idiot from Northwest Texas. So I'm like, it sounds good. <laughs> but 
then it, you know, it, it, for some reason it just tested. It was really well liked across the board, and uh, and uh, and then and it was one of the biggest selling comedy albums of all time for DVDs, four million copies. Well, it was giant. I remember and, when it came out. It was just one of those things like, whoa, nobody ever did that before. Nobody ever put together a bunch of killers and then did a movie. Well, they actually, the Kings of Comedy did. They and did we, it first? Yeah, we totally ripped off the black man again, mm. you know. God damn it, Ron White. The, uh, but, you know, it was a, you know, just a, a blue-collar uh, shot at it. Not necessarily, you know, redneck, but, but you know, just people that work for a living. They like who likes us, you know. And But the catalyst from that made uh, Dan Whitney ridiculously famous and uh, and made me famous and did a lot for Bill, uh, but Jeff was already, you know, Jeff, so. Do you call Dan Whitney Dan Whitney, or do you call him Larry the Cable Guy? <laughs> do you ever call him up, hey, Larry? You say, who the fuck no, is this? I, no, I don't call him Larry. I don't. Did I you know him there. forever as Dan? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I never knew, I never saw the act that it wasn't all Larry the Cable Guy, uh, and I know it used to be. And uh, the, one of the funniest things I ever saw was that there was, used to be this uh, tape in the, uh, the South County Funny Bone in St. Louis in the condo where they lived, a shitty little apartment they put us in. And it was, a, it was called Bovine Women from Somewhere. And it was about huge fat girls. And, uh, and he had taken, it was a copy. It had been around for a while, the condo. So we'd play it for people as a joke when they came over. And, and uh, he had a VHS camera. And because that was a copy, he edited himself into the movie. <laughs> and it was fucking outrageously funny. I so mean, was it a porn? A fat yeah, woman a, porn? Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and so somebody would be fucking her from behind. And, and then it, it, he turned the camera around and his Dan just working. <laughs> this could be you, Marty, the manager of the club. But it was very, very funny. It made me laugh. Somebody stole it after that. Nobody wanted to steal it before it was edited. But uh, somebody took it after that. Yeah, that was back when you need to edit things. You used to have to have two VCRs. Right. You used to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and go back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, but those VHS cameras at the end, you know, because I had one too. I used to tape nearly everything I did. And, and uh, so, you know, they, if, you, if it didn't have a tab broken off of it, you, you know, you could just record right over whatever little part of it you wanted to. And, that's uh, right, the tab. Yeah, if it had a tab, you couldn't do it. So that's what you did for your wedding video. I forgot about that tab. Like, yeah. if you took the tab off, then nobody could record on it. Right. Oh, but if it was yeah. still there, and this one was still there, so he just, he just punched himself right into it. The first scene is this big old 500-pounder. Uh, she's opening a refrigerator door, so the the reveal is the light of the refrigerator through her thighs, and uh, and they're gigantic. And it's a cutaway to him drinking a glass of milk, going <laughs> I mean, real slapsticky stuff. But if you weren't, if you didn't see it coming, it was uh, it was a, it was a big laugh. I saw a video of him doing stand up as Dan Whitney, and I was like, wow, this is so weird. Yeah. So he had to, you know. Shirt tucked in his pants. He had like a polo shirt on. Right, the whole deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really smart. I mean, what he did, and and uh, you know, one, at one time Larry was just a character that he did in the act, and then he, then eventually Larry took over. Like the Dice Man. Yeah. Same thing. Like, he was a, he, that was a character that he did in his show? Yeah, he was Andrew Silverstein. He would go on stage as Andrew Silverstein, and he had a bunch of impressions that he would do. He would do an impression of Travolta. He would do an Al Pacino impression. And then at the end of his act, he would do the Dice Man. And the Dice Man oh, was essentially a version, his, his take 
on Jerry Lewis and the Nutty Professor. Remember when Jerry Lewis and the Nutty Professor, mm-hmm. and he was like this nerdy guy, and he drinks some fucking potion, and all of a sudden he becomes this really cool guy? Like, that was what Andrew did. He had just become this dice man character, and you put the leather jacket on, and oh, and then the rhymes and all that shit. Right. And his act was so unique because he was the first guy where you could repeat the punchlines back, and everybody liked it, almost like a, like a song. Right. Like if someone's singing a song, you like to sing along. Yeah. But if for comedy, that there was doesn't n- work because never the case. there's no such thing as a hit joke. Right. There's a popular bit, but there's no yeah. such thing as a hit joke. You never want to hear it again. Once you know the joke, you know the joke. And yeah. Well, my fans, you know, they they bitch at me because I won't do anything that's old, and and uh, they want me to. They want to hear me do tater salad, and they want to hear me do some of that stuff. But they're long bits, they're long stories. They already know them. So if if I start one, I did it in Madison Square Garden last time I was there. I, I opened with it. Oh, really? And I hadn't done it in twelve years. I had to go back and listen to it ten times because it's a complicated piece of comedy. It doesn't sound like it. But it is, you know, it's still pace, rhythm, and timing all the way through this eight-minute-long joke or, or story. And uh, so I did it, and they, when I started it, you'd have thought I was one of the Beatles. They just went absolutely nuts. But then I got to drag them through an eight-minute-long piece they already know. So now they're not, you know, it's not the response I used to get that I love to get from it. So if I don't get what I want, then you don't get what you want. So... But it, it was fun to do that one time, but I, I just won't go back and, you know. Yeah, like Gaffigan is a prisoner to Hot Pockets. Right. He's a prisoner. Well, that's a good prison to be in. It's a great yeah. prison to be in. It's a funny guy, but he has to do that bit. Like, yeah. You know? Well, Foxworthy has to do the You Might Be a Rednecks, but he's also got 10,000 of them. So. Yeah, that's fine, though. That's different. He's got so many versions of it. Yeah, and he only does five or six <laughs> at the end of the show. and it, I mean, that's been for years that he hasn't hardly done any of that, and that's what he was always known for. And uh, which was just a great idea for a bit that now has calendars and, you know, just crazy, crazy the money he made off of that. Oh, that was a, a genius bit. Yeah. Like, he just nailed it. He, right. fi- he figured out, like, this perfect formula. hmm Yeah, he's a funny guy, man. Jeff Foxworth does not get the credit he deserves. No. No, he's probably the most prolific uh, uh, <laughs> writer that, that I know. And, and I also just owe him fucking everything, you know. He I seems like a it. really nice guy, too. He is a sweetheart of a man. Humble, takes his kids to school every day, uh, goes to church, has a mission project that he works on. He's very, very straight. He was a little wilder when he was in the clubs, you know, but but that's the way he was raised, and that's kind of what he went back to. As a, Where know, does he live? In uh, Georgia, in Atlanta. Wow. In a, in a house the size of a college. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm not talking about this University of Phoenix shit either. I'm talking about Duke. Yeah, that's you kind of have to buy one of those when you get that rich. Well, you you know he's a he's just a he's just the real deal, you know. And but you're right, people kind of rat on me. If I hear any other comics, you know, sometimes they'll rag on the blue collar tour. You know, a lot of people didn't like Dan and. I mean, but it was all comics, and I've never performed for comics once in my life. And I tell other <laughs> comics, here's the worst thing you can do. Perform for those comics in the back, because that's not whoever's going to come see you or pay money. Right. Don't perform for them. Perform for those people in the seats. 
And so, you know, it, it, and whatever it was is whatever it was, and he just got popular. And if it wouldn't have been for that huge popularity, nobody would have given a shit. Well, that's that, that thing that happens when something becomes really popular is that people decide to shit on it, even though it doesn't make... Like, there's nothing wrong with Larry the Cable Guy's act. It's a funny act. He's a funny guy. And he's a pace, rhythm, and timing comic, and he's really good at it. He's very good at it. But I remember when he was huge, and he still is, but, I mean, when it was all happening, when it was first happening... Right. And he was doing fucking football arenas. All these, like uh, David Cross wrote some fucking open letter to Larry the Cable Guy. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, what is he doing wrong? Like, I I don't understand. What are you trying to say? That this character, this ridiculous over-the-top character he's doing isn't funny? Yeah. there were saying it's racist? There were a few people that really took issue with it. And it's just just comedy. If you don't like it, listen to something else. Yeah, exactly. That's the end, you know, the long and the short of it. Uh, it, You know, it's not exactly my cup of tea, uh, but I know how good he is still, uh, you know, and and, uh, I would go out of my way to see... Jeff and I probably would go out of my way to see him just to see him, but uh, but that his style is not exactly my cup of tea. But that doesn't matter. That, that I can still see how good he is at it, and uh, and saw what he did and the impact that he had, and then also the addition. He wasn't one of the original guys. The other there was another guy, and then Jeff got uh, got rid of him. And who's the other him. guy? Ah. You don't remember? Nah, I can, I can remember. You don't want, you I know don't I say. I, it? I know I totally would say, but he was a guy from. I just have a shitty memory. I just, oh. <laughs> sometimes I can remember his name, and sometimes I can't remember his name. But he's the last uh, Beatle. He's that yeah. lost Beatle. That one guy that got kicked out of the Beatles and yeah. fucking to this day beats his head against the wall. I don't know what he does now, but uh, he was a good comic, and but he was on some kind of medication that made him just get in Jeff's face and talk to him nonstop. And Jeff doesn't <laughs> like that. And Jeff's like, hey, I'm, oh, no. I'm taking a piss, dude. Can you give me a minute? And, oh, no. And, uh, like an Adderall type thing or something? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, but Jesus. he was just, and then he would, you know, we're doing these big shows. And they're like, well, I put $12 on a cab and nobody's paying me back. And, and, uh, <laughs> guys like, doing okay, fucking dude, arenas. You, you're right. You're you know. bitching about 12 bucks. Well, and, that's the wrong guy. Yeah. You know. Right. So, and then Dan came in and just shook things up, you know, and, and, uh, really, you know, like it, don't like it, doesn't matter. He destroyed every night. And What's Bill Ingvall up to these days? Yeah, I saw him. Uh, we auditioned for the same part in the movie, uh, and uh, not too long ago. So I saw him at this audition, and uh, it was for uh, I don't remember the name of the movie, but it was supposed to have a huge cast, really big people in it. But the role sucked, and I mean the role was just nothing. And uh, and then I got sideways with the people doing the interview. Because they said it was a reading, so I didn't memorize the script, you know, and I came in. But I wear these tinted yellow glasses a lot of the time. And uh, she, she said, can you take off the glasses? They're too modern for this this piece. I'm like, well, if you want me to read it, the, the glasses are not for show. They just happen to be yellow. But so whoever's watching it, have them close their eyes <laughs> and imagine with me with shitty glasses on, if that's okay. But I'm not going to take them off. And then she goes, well, I guess if you if you get this role, you'll cancel your live schedule. I said, no, I won't. No, I won't. I was clear with them. I said, you got to if I'm going to do it, you got to do it around my schedule. I'm not canceling any days for it. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, now I'm in a fight at the casting office. You know, that's probably not going to get this. I didn't want it anyway. I'd just come off of roadies and 
then I was kind of disappointing. So it's a fucking weird business, man. And that 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 inter- the interaction that you have with a casting director is very strange. I've had some good ones, really really nice conversations, yeah. sweet people. Oh, me too. Gail Levine is who cast me for Brody's, and she's wonderful. Yeah. But these, there's a lot of them that are wonderful, but there's a lot of them that are not. <laughs> these two chicks were, they were snobs. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I, they really were, you know, they were really talking to me like I had not accomplished a single thing in my life. And maybe if this happened, you know, I'd be able to call myself a man or something. I mean, <laughs> I just, well, that's their role. I mean, that's their position. Their position is, that's one of the reasons why actors are so fucking crazy. It's because you walk into this room and your life depends on whether or not this person puts a check next to your name, whether they give you the green light. And so you go in there and you have to memorize some bullshit that you don't really care about. Most of the time, some nonsense sitcom or some fucking stupid role in a movie. And you got to, it's half charming them, half doing this. I I tell Brian Callen to this day that they've fucking ruined him. I go, it ruined him. You, you don't know how to disagree with people. I'm like, Brian Callen will go into a room and he charms everyone in the building because he's so good at, at auditions. I'm like, they fucking ruined you. Right. You, you don't know how to like, figure out that this person is not for you. Well, you know, now I'm, you know, I just turned 60 and, uh, on uh, Sunday. And, and uh, now if, uh, if I had to, if I signed up for a TV show, I'd be signed on until I was 66 or 67. Oh. And, uh, and my dad died at 51. And uh, so that seems like an awful long time. And so if it, I mean, if it happened to be someone I really liked, you know, like if if Jay McGraw was producing it, I would do it, probably would do it just so I could hang out with him. But I would have to really, really like somebody, you know, that I was going to be hanging with that time because I, I couldn't just do it. Who would uh, have ever guessed that Dr. Phil's kid is such a cool motherfucker? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, you we know, have a mutual friend, Jay McGraw, who's a buddy of ours, both of ours. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking coolest guy. Yeah, he is. He's he's something else. And so is his dad. His I'm dad sure he is, is. is. His dad is a is a hoot. I'm sure he is. But uh, who would have ever guessed it? Yeah, I'm not nobody. Either <laughs> one. I'm friends with both of them, and they. But uh, Jay is just solid. I mean, the. Uh, I can't even I tell you some things he's done for me and start crying. Oh, don't yeah. cry. I cry so I'm a, easy. I'm such uh, a bitch. Don't do it. Don't do it. So uh, I don't cry for sad things though. I, I'm a weird. I'm weird. Like sad things, I can sort of deal with some weird way. But when things are epic, like a- epic moments, I'm like holy shit, don't cry, bitch. Yeah, right. Keep it together. <sighs> Woo. Like uh, Nadia Comaneets <clears throat> doing those little backflips. Oh, the, yeah. All right. I, I would have cried like a bitch. Excellence is, uh, is, chokes me up. But, but you know, my, my friend died l- last weekend, and, uh, and that kind of stuff I'm okay with. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't get real emotional about that kind of stuff uh, unless, it, you know, unless I've known you for 50 years. And uh, so, you know, but uh, Jay uh, Jay is just a great guy. You know, he's a unbelievably solid dude when he doesn't have to be. He just brought me back uh, three boxes of killer cigars from Cuba. So how can you not like that? Oh guy? yeah, he just went to Cuba. You can bring those back now. Yeah, yeah. I think he was on his plane or something. Yes. Yeah. You can kind of do it. You can kind of bring them back, sort of. You can get like a few of them. Well, they the thing is that the, the, you can get two hundred dollars worth, but the people at customs have no idea how expensive they are. Right. So you can just say this was one hundred eighty-five dollars worth, and they go, "Oh, that's expensive," but it's really fifteen hundred dollars worth of cigars. Yeah, I mean, if you pay them in American money, it probably is one hundred fifty bucks worth, right? Like, it's probably 
pretty good bargain. Actually, they probably know no, what they're, they're worth. They're really not. No? I, I, well, I don't know. I, I didn't ask him because he gave them to me. But uh, <laughs> did you get a deal on them? <laughs> How often do you smoke cigars? Uh, you know, every day. Yes, I smoke one. I smoke one on the way up day. there. I saw you walked in with one. I was like, God oh, damn God. it, Ron White, you're a fucking caricature. Look at yeah, you. What right. do you got there? Oh, that's one of the ones he gave me. These are bolivars. Oh, uh, those are good. That's yeah. a strong one. Yeah, it is. And it's, and it was that big when I started. Mm. So I just smoked some of it and cut it off. That's a that's a strong cigar. I like bolivars. And I'm gonna I'm gonna crank uh crank that back up if there's still air in my tire whenever I get out of here. And... <laughs> yeah, bolivars and well, it's something about that soil. There's this one area of Cuba where they grow most of their tobacco. And it's like some, it's not even that big of a place. It's its not like that many acres. And right. Just this unbelievable soil. Yeah. Why, do you, like, is it that much different? Like, are you like a connoisseur? Are you like a yeah. sommelier of cigars? Sort of. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, the, the thing is that the, the smart guy was Zeno Davidoff uh, of Davidoff Cigars. And uh, because he saw the, he saw it all coming. And uh, so he, before it all happened, he moved his rollers and his factory and everything over to the Dominican Republic. So whenever they came in and took the land from those people that started these iconic brands and they just kicked them out of the country with nothing. Well, they all had seed so they could grow the same tobacco if they stayed in the same kind of region, the same parallel like the Dominican Republic or even over to Ecuador. Uh, it was still perfect conditions for growing these 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 plants, but what they didn't have was rollers, and uh, these cigars, uh, these handmade cigars are rolled by experts. I mean, these people in Cuba, they spend their whole lives. It's a good job, and uh, it's they have these huge rolling rooms, and these people just roll these perfect cigars, and somebody sits in the front of the room and reads them books. Really? Yeah. Read some books. Yeah, they read uh, like read, a book on tape, but someone's doing. Yeah, some, somebody's reading. actually up there. The, the, wow. the reader. They come in in shifts and and read to them. Oh no shit! And they sit there and listen to the stories and roll cigars. Yeah. That's fucking fascinating. I have a book at home that's all photographs of uh, Cuban the Cuban cigar business and the Cuban people rolling the cigars, and it's just a, a fucking amazing. They're smoking a fat cigar while they're rolling cigars, you know, and the the, the whole thing is just. It's got such a weird sort of romance to it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, you know, hey, I used to that. smoke. Uh, there, there we go. I used to smoke, uh, you know, a couple of them a day, and, and I always smoke on stage. So, But actually now I'm, I'm such a dinosaur, they're really starting to crack down on the, on the cigar. So I'll just light it, and I'll take it out there to put it in an ashtray and let it go out and do the suck show. What, because, like, the theaters won't yeah. let you smoke in the theater? But yeah, and they used they to give me some wiggle room, you yeah. know, but now, like in, in Canada, they started saying, well, here's what we do. We don't know what we're going to find you, but we're going to hold all of your money until we decide. What? If you smoke on this stage. They told you that before you went up? <laughs> yeah. What a it, fucking uh, buzzkill. Uh, yeah, right. Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad they didn't tell me after. Jesus and, uh, fucking Christ. But some places, Massey Hall in Toronto, you know, that's fucking Charlie Chaplin was on that stage. I just did that place. Oh, dude, it's going to be great. Oh, it's the I best. Toronto. Toronto's, yeah, Toronto's incredible. I just did it uh, two weeks ago with Russell Peters. Me, Russell, and Big Jay Okerson. Oh, okay. What a fucking show. Yeah. God I don't even it. know if I've seen Jay. I've met him. He's funny, uh, dude. And I've heard him on radio, right? He's got a radio show. and Yeah, he's got it. a podcast, Legion of Skanks. Yeah. One of the greatest names for a podcast ever. <laughs> He's a funny dude. He's a good dude too. And just and again, another one like a real comic. Like yeah. you know, like you know one when you meet one. Yeah, sure. You know, like if I ran into him anywhere, it'd be like a, like a life vest in the middle of the ocean. If we, yeah. I ran into him in Dubai, I'd be like, "There's there's one of us." 
Okay, I'm, all right. I could go with you to the halfway there, but not to Dubai. You want to go to Dubai? No, no. no, no, no. <laughs> you yeah. want to do shows there? <laughs> no, you know what? Somebody, I, I'm not sure that I wouldn't. Somebody, people talk about this huge, huge money that they're offering guys to go out to Dubai and, uh, and India. They got crazy rules, though, in Dubai. They do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dubai has uh, crazy religious rules. Like, if you in any way insult royal families or in any way. Who was it, Jamie, that talked about that? Was it, I think it was Hal Sparks was telling us that he did a gig in Dubai and someone, after he got off stage, told him that he was going to be arrested for something that he said because he referred to one of the royal family as, like, sir rather than your highness. Like, something as simple as that. Yeah, I probably... And, better not go fuck that i can't do it i just i just can't i, I won't do colleges i won't do anything weird. i don't either fuck you know i that. hear a seinfeld bitching about the political correctness of uh, college students these days i'm like why don't you go perform for people your own age <laughs> maybe that's the problem maybe that's it you never think about that <laughs> yeah. well it's just they're not, they're not your people and they're super sensitive and they're just they're finally disconnected from their parents they're looking to call bullshit on everybody they're, that's one thing about college kids is they're they're looking to be right and they're looking to establish what you can and can't say right. and they're looking to control people because they have they're just free for the first time ever themselves right um, I probably would have done the same thing yeah if I hadn't gotten kicked out of high school and uh, joined the Navy I probably <laughs> I just, uh, I, I can't do like regular uh, schoolwork. I, I can't do that kind of stuff. I've never owned a notebook. This isn't mine. This is your. You can have it. That's for you. It's a gift. Merry oh, Christmas. Christ. That's very nice. Merry Christmas. Uh, you don't, so you don't write down on notebooks. You just, uh, you just come up with stuff on stage, or you come up with stuff. And do you like if you have an idea, will you write it on your phone or something? No. No. Uh, no. I, my attention deficit disorder is so bad that if I pick up a piece of paper, I'm done. I, I, then I'll start thinking about the piece of paper, and then I'm off to fucking Eggland, and uh, <laughs> so it just doesn't work. And uh, I've forgotten so much stuff I know that I could have done on stage. And, and uh, but but once it get gets to the stage, I record it. Right. So I mean, I don't, I, and I should record these 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 short sets, but I don't. And I, but I record all the big sets. You don't record like the comedy store sets. No. No. You can do it on your phone, you know. Yeah. Well. Fucking, you know, so that's easy. another thing. I don't. I don't know a lot about that. Yeah, but look, see this? It's yeah. so fucking easy. See this little thing right here? This is a uh, voice recordings. Look at that. These are all my sets for the last. I don't know, six months. Oh. You just keep going. You got to put it all, and I make notes. I make what? notes for each one of them. Did every, you every to... No, you have it. You have it on your phone. It's a. Uh, it's an application that comes with. It's called Voice Memos. It comes with the phone. So you have an iPhone. It's in there. I'll show you afterwards. I'll right. help you. But it's so easy. It's so easy, Ron. You just take that sucker. You press record as you're walking up the stage. I sit it on the uh, stool right by me. Records my whole set. Because there's many, many times that I have a, a new punchline or a new, I'll, like, I'll have a thought in the middle of a bit. And what the fuck is that? And I'll, and I'll go off on something just free. And I'll say afterwards, thank God I recorded that. Because I, I got to go listen to that. Because for me, the store in particular is like the best place for that. Yeah. And the ice house. You ever do the ice house? No. Uh, Fuck you. I mean, go I, there. I have done it before, but I, uh, but I should get over there and do they have like an open mic or something or they? Well, or they, it, they have it, a bunch is, of shit there, but we do shows there on Wednesdays all the time. I'm there like January, I think January fourth or something like that. Yeah. Is that it? January fourth. You want to do it with us? It's always sold out, and it's the fucking best room in the world. That room. 
The Ice House room is set up. It's the best setup on earth. You will fucking murder that place. I've I've done sets there a long time ago, uh, and. Uh, and and I, and I know I loved it. And everybody says it's, it's the best room there is. It's the and, oldest uh, comedy club in the world. It is? The oldest comedy club in the world. It started in 1961, I believe. 1961 or 1962, something like that. Yeah, it's the oldest concurrent working comedy club on earth. And it used to literally be an ice house before they had freezers. People right. used to buy ice yep, from the right. ice house. That's how fucking old that place is. Yeah, on the fourth, I'll uh, I'll come out there if you guys got room yeah, for me. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there you anytime go. Anytime you want to do a show, dude, I got room for you. All right, let's have some fun. Yeah, anytime Bring some you want to do a show, I'll, I'll yeah, I got the tequila. <laughs> I'll Uber out there with uh, te- with a bottle of uh, that extra añejo. Now we're talking. Yeah, so you guys look that up. Number Juan J U A N tequila. That's what I've got to hawk. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna buy a case of that shit. Bring it in here. Set it up. Boom. You didn't you don't they have it at the comedy store now? I always have a bottle back there, but our, our distribution is just now getting fixed in, in California, so they're I'm sure that they'll pick it up uh, as soon as these guys get all hooked up. They just got their tequila the other day, so well, it's a dark tequila too. You have do you have more than one kind? Yeah, I have a, a blanco that comes straight out of the faucet, and uh, and then an extra. Uh, than in a, a reposado, which is uh, aged for nine months in two different barrels and then blended at the end. And uh, half of it's a French oak wine barrel, half of it's a bourbon barrel, retired. And then nine months and then blended together. Whoa. And, uh, that's and deep. That's, and that's what uh, my brother-in-law, that's all he drinks is that one. And I, and I drink the other one because I come kind of from a scotch background, so it's a little heavier. Yeah, it's got like a and dark it, sort of smoky It's kinda. dangerous. Dangerous? It's a dangerous bottle to have just sitting near you with no protection or, you know, just with a couple of people just because once you start drinking it, it just it's just it offers no resistance at all. You can just sit there and polish off a bottle. Of I feel like we go. shouldn't be having a podcast without having like a little drink. OK, I feel like we should have a little drink. Jamie, right. get, get some Jack Daniels on the, on the rocks. Yeah. Let's do just it. A little drink. Just a little drink with Ron White. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, it's a good tequila. I'm, I'm happy you're you're. Uh, you're doing that as well. It's nice to see comedians branch out and do different shit. Well, I'd like to see some of the different stuff I do ever make money, but you know, we we have a lot of fun with the tequila, and somebody will come by and buy it one day. It's a you know, we win everything with it. Uh, How's that not making money? That tequila's not making money. No, uh-uh. uh, well, it did. <laughs> it made money the third year. It made uh, it made we made the third year we made seventeen thousand dollars. <laughs> That's the whole year. And, How uh, is that possible? Uh, well, because it's just kind of expensive to get into. I mean, we're yeah. we're, we're we're shoestring in it. You know, we're, I'm not putting the, I'm not putting my nut in there. You know, I, right. I put money in it, but not uh, too much. And not too much. And, and so you know, we're just kind of a really slow growth uh, until somebody comes along. You know, and then uh, and then if they. You know, if somebody wants it worse than we do, they'll have it. So for you, is just sort of like a goof, just to get into it for fun? Uh, no, well, <laughs> a couple things. I'd really like to see my brother-in-law. Uh, yeah, I'd really like to see it work for him, and he owns more of it than I do. And uh, he's but, a comic, right? Yeah, Alex Ramundo. I don't, I don't and, know Alex very well. Uh, he's uh, uh, one of my best friends, and he literally, when I started doing stand-up, uh, September seventeenth, nineteen eighty six, is when I met him, and I, I was nervous. I was going to do four minutes. First time open mic and went straight to the bar and ordered a beer and a shot of tequila and he handed me the beer and the shot of tequila so he was the bartender in the club I started at. Oh, wow. And then I where ended was up, that? Uh, in Arlington, Texas. 
What's it called? Funny Bone Comedy Club. Wow. I think it's a something else now, but but that's where that was my home. Where, what's Arlington near? Dallas, Fort Worth, between. Oh, okay. Them. Yeah, that's where Texas Stadium is, and uh, in the ballpark. And where's that, that Funny Bone? Not not Funny Bone. Improv. They don't have an improv in Arlington. They have an do they? Im- no. They have an improv. Uh, up in uh, Irvine, Irving, or something. Up in North Dallas, there's one. But there's, isn't there two? Yeah. All right. What is this? this there is used some... to be two. There used to be one right down on uh, uh, Central Expressway, but I don't know if there is anymore. This is the Sinatra Select. Frankie, baby. Where did we get this? Somebody sent it to us, right? Did Jack Daniels send it to us? Yeah. Yeah. Jack Daniels sent this to us. They found out we drank Jack Daniels on the show, so they sent us this Sinatra Select. Oh, yeah, baby. It smells like toupees. <laughs> Come on, baby. Good lord. Cheers, sir. And Joe Rogan. Cheers, buddy. Ron White. Ah. Jack Daniels to me means fun times and bad decisions. Almost everything that I've ever done that I should went probably should have done that. Uh, right. <clears throat> A lot of it's connected to that shit. There's just so much fuck it in Jack Daniels. It, it that's their slogan. Jack yeah. Daniels, fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. Just wow, fuck it. It's like uh, almost every time I go on stage, I have a shot, shot of that. The shot of this? Yeah. Not the Sinatra stuff, but it kind of tastes the same to me. It doesn't really taste like Jack know. Daniels. That's really pretty good. I'm not, not much of a bourbon guy, but that's pretty tasty stuff. <sighs> Finally, weed's legal, Ron White. I know. You happy about that? Well, I've been treating it like it was legal for about 50 years. So I Me don't too. Really, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to have that much difference. Uh, I, uh, you know, they had medical marijuana here anyway, and and uh, and I was actually using medical marijuana to get off of regular marijuana. And, How'd you uh, do that? That worked like a fucking charm. It's almost like Jesus came from heaven and healed me <laughs> of this regular marijuana problem that's been haunting me since I was 13 years old. And now that they've legalized recreational marijuana... I'm going to use that to wean myself from medical marijuana. That's nice. And, uh, I've got a plan. Got That's beautiful. Out. That's like methadone. You know what? It's uh, it's it, it's so it it came it took so long to get here. Uh, you know, to to even this little seven. What we have seven states now that are. Uh, I think there's more. How many states, Jamie? Legal nine now. Recreational. Seven. Seven. Seven's recreational, but then a bunch of. Uh, you know, in Vegas, they're they're going to have recreational, but but now that they have medical, if you have a card from anywhere, you can go, and uh, in the, in the Vegas uh, dispensaries and. Buy well, what's stuff. fucked up is there's so many people that are in jail for life in Vegas from the seventies. <laughs> right. For life, for like getting caught with like a dime bag. Vegas used to be the worst place in the world when it came to pot. I don't know why. I guess. They were trying it to discourage This is what it was. They got legalized prostitution, legalized gambling, open carry handguns, liquor available 24 hours a day on the street. You could actually walk out on the strip at 5 o'clock in the morning, crack open a beer, and bet on the camel toe races. But don't you dare lie to joint because there's children here. Got, <laughs> is got, that the reason why? <laughs> there's children. I think they were just trying to discourage people from getting high because it probably cut in on the profits. Wouldn't you assume that, uh, like, the last thing I want to do when I get high is gamble? I want. I, I just look at buildings. And I go, look how much much money this building costs. Where are they getting their money? They must be getting their money from people like me. People like me that don't know how to gamble. Shit, what kind of weed are we money. smoking here? <laughs> I'm not. That's how I always feel. Like, I, I never have the urge to gamble. 
when I'm high, ever. But if I was drunk and I walked into a casino, I'd be like, let's see what happens. Absolutely. Come on. Absolutely. But I'm not much of a... Are you a gambler? I'm good. You good? Yeah. I'm not much of a gambler. You know what? I I, I, I played a lot of cards when I first started working in Vegas, and then I got hit a couple of times, and, and uh, uh, literally... I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna bet three hundred bucks a hand, you better have a half million bucks sitting there, or you'll get beat uh, because it, it it just accelerates so high off a of, off a of three grand, I mean, off of a three hundred dollar bet. And so, if you're not ready to really bet it, you should just not bet it. <laughs> you know, if you if you don't have a, a if you can't stay there until it all cycles back through, uh, in case you start on the wrong side of it, then. Uh, now I'll go. My mother, my mother's 81. She likes to get hammered and gamble. <laughs> she does. She's always in Vegas. I was there two weeks ago, and I looked over on the side of the stage, and my mother was there. I had no idea she was coming all the way from Coco, Oh, that's uh, hilarious. And <laughs> she was just over there waving. That's Hi. awesome. And she gets hammered and gambles. Yeah, she plays blackjack, Texas Hold'em. And she was one of those people, her and her mother, you know, her, you know Jen, you, you'd think that Jen can't be skill, all skill. But anytime I play my mother and Jen, she's like takes one card and lays them down. I'm like, well, how can you do that? You can't be good and just draw all those cards. What are you doing? My, and my grandmother was worse than her. So, but, so she plays serious poker, but not with serious money, and uh, more than she used to. But but uh, and then my son loves to play Texas Hold'em. So if he comes out to Vegas, uh, then I'll go play with him. I have a bunch of friends that gamble really high, and I don't have that gene. I'm missing it. That's a good one not to have, you know, Ooh, because lucky. it's a, you, you can really feel stupid the next day when you're going, I could have gotten, well, one of them, a, you know, and at least a, a, a moderate, a late day Ford Escort, you know, <laughs> you know or or several Escorts. You know? <laughs> like, I could have gotten something out of this. Instead, yeah. I got absolutely nothing except free booze. My friend Dana White has lost as much as a million dollars in a night. Good Lord. Yeah, but he won. Like, did he say he won seven? I think he said he won seven one night. Yeah, I don't get it. He's got it though. Whatever it is, he's got Way it. better. Yeah, but you know what? That's also uh, that's a one of the a big thing with people that have been uh, punched a lot. Like he was a boxer for a long time, and uh, a lot of MMA fighters, a lot of people that have uh, had experienced a lot of head trauma. They like to gamble. There's a weird correlation there. They don't know why. I wonder not- if wonder if John Daly ever got hit in the head. A, I'm sure somebody punched that guy. Yeah. For sure, right? Who didn't punch that guy? He's a big dude, but still, somebody probably punched him. He's a, yeah, probably so. Yeah, but, he, boy, he just has a gambling problem. He's funny because he was sober for five years, and he's a buddy of mine. I mean, I'm not saying he's a buddy of mine. Whenever the Masters comes to uh, Augusta, uh, the uh, he, he's always there, and he sells merch. And it's genius. Because he's the only person. Number one, he's the most famous golfer in the city at that time. Is John Daly more famous than anybody playing in that tournament? And then he's accessible. He likes people, and so he'll go out there and sell two hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred thousand dollars worth of merch out of this huge. You know, he's got this big Prevost tour thing and a big old trailer and set up and wow, his own store at the Hooters right <coughs> next to the right next to the golf tournament. And uh, so that's genius during that time. Yeah. And, and, and he's, you know, it's all his brands and, uh, you know, he just makes a killing doing it. And uh, it is, it is brilliant. And, but uh, I parked my tour bus right next to his. Uh, <laughs> so that's the time I see him, you know, is whenever he's doing now, now he's on the senior tour. So I don't even know. 
I don't follow golf, but I follow that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's a fun dude. You know, he, he gets crazy, does a lot of wild, nutty shit, likes to get hammered. Right. He, it's like, I like the fact that there's a guy like that out there. And I like that it. can do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not, he might not be the best golfer in the world anymore, you know, but he's still a very good golfer, and he's still, like, this character. Like, it's part of the thing. It's not just who wins the golf tournament. It's like, I want to see John Daly play. I want to see him talk. Right. I want to see him get crazy. Right. Yeah, so it, well, he gets crazy, you know. It, it, he, he got sober for a few years, and then I got, he got—he called me the other day, and I was like, "Oh, when when that started again?" He was just baked. And then the last <laughs> time I was at last year at Augusta, we got really trashed, and he was doing a podcast or a some kind of radio show out of a Hooters, out of the Hooters. And besides that, he's got a you know radio show or did for a while, and. And he's just drunk as shit, just <laughs> trashing the PGA Tour. Oh, God. And I'm like, you know, you really golf on exemptions. <laughs> you know, they're going to – but uh, I didn't say anything to him. But, I mean, he's just either over-the-top sober or over-the-top drunk. He can't be – he can't be – and then he's also just dead honest. We will not lie to you to make you feel better. will not lie to you to make you feel bad. He just won't lie. He talks about how he feels, and you know he's just one of those guys that uh, that you know, and that's why he's so popular. Yeah, that's why everybody, that's why the people love him. You well, know? We could all use more of that, all of us, right? I don't know, man. I think I could use less. <laughs> I think I think that's what my, I think I'm going to start lying more in, uh, in 2017. Just stay drunk. And keep lying. Yeah, that there you be a go. T-shirt. Yeah, stay drunk and keep lying. That's a great one. Yeah, I know what you mean. At a certain point in time, you go, "How much fucking sand is left in this goddamn hourglass? What are we doing with it?" Right. You know. It, it, yeah. Right. We're yeah. Con- on a continued path of, of improvement and spiritual enlightenment, or do we eventually go, "Hey, guys, there's a cliff coming up. Let's just have a drink." What's that? There's a fucking cliff. There's a cliff right over there. there. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're, well, that's it. what you know. That's what uh, Margot and I are saying is uh, is that uh, we're already dead. That's how fast it goes. We're already dead. So while we got this last couple of minutes here, yeah. you know, let's have some fun. Let's not forget. And I buried some really close friends and really not right next to each other about a year and a half ago, and that broke my heart. I didn't want to do stand up anymore, and uh, it's just horrible stuff. And then, uh, and then uh, my buddy that died this weekend. I saw him three days before at a party, and he was fine. He was laughing. He's fit as he can be. Plays hockey. He's, uh, you know, 69 years old, but he was just really, really, he, was, he ate a hamburger without the bun while I was sitting there with him. And I was like, well, I bet he regrets that. <laughs> now looking back on it, <laughs> fuck, I should have eaten that fucking bun. And then, and then, boom, dead in three days. Just uh, dropped what, dead. What's that, that actor guy that just died recently? Alan Thicke. That's who it is. That's who it is? Yeah. 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 Alan Thicke was on Fear Factor. He was a sweetheart. Oh, he's a he, he's a such he's a charming the most guy, charming human being, and I don't you know when I met him, I, I'm really good friends with John Paul DeJoria, who who uh, owns Patron and Paul Mitchell, and and he is just a biker that made billions of dollars with the just a great just a brilliant man, and and uh, so he has these you know men's nights that are kind of a league of extraordinary rich dudes. <laughs> and uh, But every once in a while, an entertainer sneaks in there like me and Alan. And uh, so the first one I went there, I, I was, I knew, I, I recognized Alan, of course, because he was a hugely famous uh, television star when I was watching television even. 
and uh but what attracted me was just him as a man you know just uh his charisma and he, he just he's just one of those guys that can uh that, that, that you know he, just a man's man you know yeah i just you just want to hang around him yeah i, I was really shocked <clears throat> i was really shocked at how, yeah. how nice and friendly he was and uh you know took he, he lost he had to do some physical things he had to climb on something on the side of a building or something like that and he he wound up losing took it like a champ right you know, oh yeah he was smiling the whole way he was genuinely. playing full contact uh, uh, hockey? hockey with fake knees jesus christ <laughs> he's a ron he got his knees done <laughs> yeah he's, and he's still playing hockey he's oh like God, they told him not to but uh, he's like what am i gonna do oh my god so it works pretty good and but uh yeah he was playing hockey with his son when he died and the and his son told me this and it was really funny he goes while he was on the fucking stretcher putting him in the ambulance uh, he goes, sorry guys, I'm an asshole, just to, for, for stopping the game, you know. And then he was dead 15 minutes later. Wow. But he but he got a laugh on the way out the door, and you know. <laughs> and people were saying, man, that what a tragic thing. That that you know, he died quick, and I've had two friends die slow. You don't want any part of that. And so quick, that's the one we all agree with that. Quick, we want to go quick. We want to go quick, and uh, you know. The, the, and that's what he did and he was when his son was with him when he took his last breath i think that's a good thing and i think his son will think it is too when he looks back on it if he doesn't already you know what a real touchy sub this is a real touchy subject right people dying it's real touchy and it's also real touchy like uh what we think is going to happen after that right you know there's people that are that are they're like real real sensitive about what they think is going to happen and mm -hmm. whether it's nothing a lot of people are like convinced it's nothing well, and I'll say it to you with such fucking conviction. Listen, when you die, it's nothing. Well, it goes dark. I know for a fact that's not true because I lived in a haunted house. <laughs> and uh, if there's a haunted house, then somebody, there is an afterlife. If, because we, there was definitely a haunted house. Where'd you live? It was, uh, it was a lake house outside of Austin on Lake LBJ in Kingsland, Texas. And we had to sign documents at closing saying that it, that it had been told to us that it was a haunted house. You have to do that in Texas. If, if there's, uh, <laughs> and they had had, uh, they had two mediums, and I'm an extra large, and uh, but two different mediums came in and said the same exact thing. It's the the ghost's name is Whitey Sour. Oh my God! And uh, he was the barber for the town, and uh, and and they couldn't tell why he was still there, but he was obviously there. He could take. Uh, and he would do these things in front of people. You could put, take a pot of water right out of the tap, put it on the stove, stove turned off, and just sit there and wait. And it would start to vibrate. And then it would vibrate to where the waves came in from the center to the middle and then bounce up in the middle. And then you could get a hold of it because you're obviously stronger than the ghost. You could settle it back down and let go of it. And, uh, and he would do it again. So, uh, you know, so I, and I know that is, I mean, I happen to just know that to be a fact that, uh, I lived in a haunted house. So there was, how many people do you think have actually lived in a haunted house and how many people are just fucking crazy? Cause that's the problem. If you really did live in a haunted house and I believe you did, yeah, you know that some people <laughs> who have told similar stories are just fucking crazy. And that might be the problem. The problem is trying to differentiate between real unusual experiences which may or not be possible that can happen to anybody right just because it hasn't happened to you or it hasn't happened to me i'm walking through life assuming that it's bullshit 
But if it did happen right in front of you, you'll go, holy shit, how am I going to describe what this is? How many right. people and are pretending things like that are happening now? I don't know. You know, that's but it's just something that I've always been able to say after I've lived there that, wow. that I know for a fact that something happens afterwards. And, and uh, I had a talk with uh, Whitey. I bought the house and was still making payments to his daughter. And uh, whenever we first moved there, uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time, her uncles helped move her stuff down there, and they had a bunk bed set up in my son's room, but they didn't want them. They had a mattress on the bottom, but not on the top, and he put his shoes up there. And during the night, for no reason, the shoes got pushed off and fell and hit him in the chest. And uh, it was totally whitey. And, uh, cause, fucking that's whitey. The fucking whitey. And so the next day, uh, I walked into that room, and I said, uh, uh, whitey, listen, I'm going to make a deal with you. I love it that you're here. It's fine with me. Uh, uh, we have one of his chairs and, and, uh, that we wouldn't let anybody sit in. It was his chair. So, uh, and uh, and so I said, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You fuck with my little boy, I'm going to hit your daughter in the mouth. Because I, I saw her every month when I made the payment. So if he was going to jack with my little kid, Whoa. I was going to fucking punch some teeth in. You are going to punch his... His Not daughter? Really. Not really. Not really. But, but it's threatened. a good threat to a yeah. ghost. You threaten a ghost. That's so gangster. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know what? And he, and he never, never, ever uh, saw any activity in that room again. So My grandparents had I a house a where a, di- a guy died in the house, and they always claimed that they saw him. He was like a, um, a guy who rented a room in their attic, and uh, he died. And my grandmother always would swear that she could like hear him walking around up there, and he'd be there. You know? If there is, we know that all this is like most people hear ghost stories and they go, get the fuck out of here. It's because so many ghost shows. I mean, how many times can you watch a person go into a basement with a, one of those night vision screens on and look at nothing and go, what did you, did you hear that? What was that? Oh right. my God. Oh, they'll have entire commercial. television shows dedicated to one thing yeah. and like an egg will move an inch over a year or something. I think it would be super arrogant to assume that it's not possible that ghosts are real that you just haven't experienced them yet. Most people haven't experienced them. Because if there's all sorts of types of life, right? There's people that are born with birth defects that make them tiny, and other people are born with gigantism, and death is, and life itself, is not like this perfect mathematical science. It's filled with all sorts of mistakes and errors and weird shit. If there's a transition between this stage of life and the next stage of life, would we assume that it would be perfect? No, we'd assume if there is a spirit or some sort of a soul in people, we would assume that that transition sometimes misses. And sometimes you get caught in like the howling in between the worlds and you just ricochet back and forth off of both places. Well, you can't unsmoke that joint, can you? You can't. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Hey, you know what? I'll I tell you something. It's kind of an interesting story. Uh, my uncle, who's a preacher, uh, oh, Southern Baptist preacher, uh, uh, brilliant man. He has three doctorates, uh, psychology, philosophy, theology. Wow. And uh, fun, 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 fun guy to talk to. And uh, was at one time the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Dr. Charles Pollard is his name, and uh, which is a very, very powerful position to have in the South, uh, to be the president of that convention. Uh, and uh, so I was talking to him. He this is that was a long time ago and and uh, they have a lot of disagreements he kind of had a nervous breakdown and he showed up at my grandmother's uh, birthday party and he had a, had a riding a harley with no shirt on <laughs> he was like and then he went down and he taught the the gospel according to charlie for, uh, for a while but 
this is what he this is what he because t- <laughs> uh, we were just talking about this exact thing. What what right. he goes he goes uh, well, Ron. Uh, here's what I believe. I believe that when we die, we're going to be surprised. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all he's got. That's all he's got. After all these books, all these things, years of the you know, that's all he's got. Is uh, <laughs> no fucking clue. You know, when I, I was it. young, I was real dismissive of religion because I was real religious at one point when I was like real young. When I went to Catholic school, and um, I, I was really it was a it was a good experience because it was a bad experience. So I realized that these are like these mean, flawed people that are teaching what they think is supposedly God's word. And I became like a very anti-religious person for a long time where I thought of religion as being like an ideology that controls your brain. And, but as I've gotten older, one of the things that I've been thinking more and more is that although the Bible's definitely been altered by a bunch of different people, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and even the translations of the Old Testament, they were trying to say something. They were trying. They wrote this fucking thing down and passed it down more than anything else. Like the Bible's almost like the story of life, because if you go that far back, there's no other stories. If you go far back as the Old Testament, <laughs> right, there's no other right. fucking the, stories. Yeah, the, no, there are no. There are no books. You have to go to uh, other cultures that had similar stories, right? And that they were all the same thing, like the Epic of Gilgamesh. So similar to like Noah and the Ark. There's all these. Uh, but, oh, they're right, right. All these similarities. They were trying to from, say. They were for, trying to tell us about something. Right. And most of it was be a good, good person. You know. I mean, that was Christ's message. I, I grew up in the watching my uncle preach, and uh, so, so when I was a kid, I loved church. I mean, I loved it, loved it. I loved to go watch him preach. I'd go watch him preach on Sunday, Sunday night, and go watch him preach on Wednesday. And uh, charismatic. Uh, funny uh, and uh, just a, and he comes from nowhere. His mother was a hooker, wow. and uh, but uh, all a self-made man, and uh, so I loved it. And then we moved, and I went to a regular Baptist church, and I was like, "This fucking sucks, man! Get me out of this motherfucker now! Where's the youth group fun? You know, he used to have these youth groups that were more fun than I'd had anywhere else." We had a, went on a, a choir tour where uh, we had to raise money for it, selling pens or whatever the fuck it was. And then we all piled on a shitty bus and took off singing in churches. And uh, and it was, a, you know, it was freedom. It was total freedom because I could buy, I, I could eat whatever I wanted. I had $3.50 at 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, 11 maybe, to spend in any restaurant I wanted. I could get whatever I wanted. So every meal, chili and french fries. <laughs> That's all I want, baby. You just go bring me the chili and the fucking French fries and pile them up right here. But uh, so that's but once I found out that it's you know there are these uh, really great orators and there are some really uh, terrible hor- ones. <laughs> horrible. Well, it's like comics. So yeah, it's like right. people who write books or yeah. it's actors. You know, all the above. There's there's always a bunch of that. But, he, he made no bones about it, too, that, that, that if somebody was coming in to look at him to preach at a bigger place, he would pull stuff out of his uh, repertoire, you know, because he mm-hmm. he's got a killer 45 on <laughs> something particular that oh, he sure. murders with. Yeah. And he didn't make any bones about that to me. He goes, yeah, they're coming in to watch me, so I'm going to... I want to do my life story or whatever, which is great, you know, and, uh, but, uh, well, like you were yeah. talking about with your material that it takes like three years to really ripen and 
I'm sure that's he the had same to come thing. up with a new show every fucking Sunday, <laughs> and then it, you couldn't do the same thing Sunday night or the same thing Wednesday night because right. you had people like me at every show. It's a lot of jazz, yeah. right? A lot yeah. of improvisation. Yeah, a lot of re- re- recalling facts. Um, it's kind of like uh, like Doctor Phil is because Doctor Phil does three of those shows a day with no script. Has Jesus no idea Christ. what he's saying walking into it. <laughs> No idea what's going to happen when he walks into it. And I'm going to tell you right now, nobody else could do it. You could do it. I could Shut not the fuck do up. it. How I dare could you? not do it. I couldn't do it. You know how many days a week, a month, I'm actually interesting? I'm like four. And the rest of them, I'm getting Run, a Mike, fucking, I'm getting a, I'm getting a dial tone the rest of the time. Cry. I'm getting a dial tone. I'm telling you. But uh, but but Doc, I mean, just three hour long shows a day with no. You script could do that all day long. Fuck no, I can't. You could do. I yes, you could. do it once. Yes, yes, you could do it just like this, like you're doing it right now. You, there's no there's no reason you're, why we can't get. You haven't a noticed you're carrying this conversation. You're not. I'm not. Hey. There's no fucking way I am. <laughs> That's the weed. The weed's fucking with you. You've been telling some amazing stories. How dare you? All right, Ron well. White, you can do it. You, like, there's no reason why. Like, somebody figured out that Doctor Phil can do it. He can do it. He did it. He's doing it. He's currently doing it. Somebody yep. figured out that he can improvise about health and all that. You could do what you're doing right now all day, every day, whenever you want yeah, to do it. but you don't need any help. I don't. What are you, you know, talking about? I, I need tra- a fucking shitload of help. Well, I know, but if you're going you're gonna to still make it home either way, you know. But these are com- not, conversations, right. Ron. Well, it's, 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 there's to be banter, and in banter, you're fucking hilarious. You know like, what? how dare you? You know not- what? I, I got offered a, t- a, a, a radio job one time when I was, uh, uh, and it was probably for twice what I was making as a stand-up comic, and it was at, with Eddie Fingers in uh, Cincinnati, and uh, uh, uh and I was really it was 125,000 bucks, and uh, and I'm like that's a lot, of, that's a bunch of cash to me at the time. Start I'm just thinking like, about getting a boat, right? I might yeah, just buy a boat, a boat, you know, mistress, I got a new car. Like, you know, Ooh, what do you? Mistress. That's the thing about money is that you, that you think that the rich people have twice as much money as you, but they don't. They have a thousand times more money than you. The really so rich people. Yeah, so one twenty-five. But anyway. But what I realized was that they saw me come in once a year and uh, and murder on their radio show. But getting that out of me every day, there's no way. Ron White. You got five days a this week. This is where we I differ. Would... We have a problem here. Because I fucking hang out with you all the time now at the comedy store. How many times have we drank together? A dozen? Yeah. Every, at least, maybe two, two dozen. Every fucking right. time it's been this. It's been awesome. Oh, well, but, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't count on it. I'm fucking you know? counting on it. Uh, no, don't How would you possibly it. count on you not being you? I, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I don't know. He, what happened to that joint? Oh, we got another one, man. Oh. Right, fuck that one. That one's gone. Oh, no, no. no one I like how Ron White thinks. This is important. We're already struggling with reality. Right. <laughs> so let's Ron get a White little... thinks, notice, notice you're uh, the one carrying the conversation. Like, what the fuck? He's telling like 10 epic uh, stories. God damn it, Ron White. Why is it that's something, I don't want to make you embarrassed, but why is it it's something that all the great comics have, where there's like a rid- ridiculous humility in a lot of ways, you know? Like oh. almost everybody, I had a conversation with Dave Chappelle once, Dave Chappelle and I were talking, and we're, uh, we went to this fucking Hollywood party, 
That was like deep up in the hills. It was Naomi Campbell's birthday party. This was a 50-foot-tall naked photo of Naomi Campbell. We had to go to a place, and we had a park. And then from where we parked, we had to get on a bus that took us to this fucking house. This house is ridiculous. And uh, I get up there with Dave, and I was like, it was so many, it was so weird. It was like Demi Moore was there, and Lenny Kravitz was there, and all these famous people were there. I saw like a ton of famous people. And I'm like, dude, this is so weird. There's like this gathering of famous people. Like, this is so strange. It was, yeah, man, I wouldn't ever be one of those. I don't want to be one of those. I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're the most famous person in this fucking room. Oh, and he looked at me like, right. what? And I go, dude, you're the most, we're, we're both ba-ached. Right. I mean, we're right. beyond high. Yeah. We're beyond high. And we're hanging out at this famous party. I go, dude, you're the most famous person here. He goes, Joe, stop lying to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, there's no doubt you're the most famous person here. I, I, was, I was playing uh, Denver, and he was working at the he was working out stuff at the at the Comedy Works in Denver, which is one of the best comedy clubs in the country. Oh, too. one of the best! And uh, it's right up so there with the Ice House. He was, uh, he you know, he was in there all week, you know, doing sets, and uh, so he uh, he called it, and I. I I, I, I paid to see him in uh, in uh, Santa Barbara like a year and a half ago. I, wow. we, we were walking down the street and it was for sale. And we walked up. There you just didn't be, even know he was there. It was just no. told, oh wow. No, I just I paid me and my wife. I paid, walked in, awesome. sat down, and just howled. I mean, he he's a. I mean, kind of, kind of like you in a way in that he'll walk out on some pretty thin limbs and just jump on them. <laughs> And uh, and has a punchline to back it up with, and I was I was real real impressed. And then he called me when I was in Denver and said, "Would you come out and do a set?" Because I was coming in a day early and uh, and in front of me, and and, uh, and I'm like, "Oh fuck yeah, I'd love to." And, and uh, so, but anyway, after his set here one night, I hear like we're at the comedy store. At the comedy store, I was leaving, and uh, and I was walking up to my car, and he's got a bunch of people in a big old huge SUV. And he goes, Ron White, you're coming with us. I said, I no, I got to go home. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're coming with us. You have to come with us. You are coming with us tonight. Get in this car. And I'm like, okay. So we went to some club. Couldn't tell you where it was. I mean, I, you know, not that far, downtown somewhere, but really no door, no name, you know, just <laughs> to get through it. And and what it what we did is we went out and we saw how much fun it was to be Dave fucking Chappelle. You know that the I I go to the comedy store because I'm famous when I'm there. You know it's you know I'm not famous everywhere. He's famous everywhere, and uh, and he's also you know fun about it. Yeah. You know some people. I mean he'll go engage every table and talk to him. I mean he's the, he's not you know that come here come here oh get away get away get away. Was no, that, he's yeah. a great guy. He's he's a he's a weirdly great guy. He always has been too. I think I met Dave when he was like 18 or something. He was always like just a super nice guy, just always been very genuine, you know. And in the the amazing pressure that you face, and being like in a lot of ways the voice of a comedic generation. When he was doing Chappelle's show, it was sort of the defining show right. of that generation. I mean, there's really no parallel. He does like what two seasons? Did he do two seasons? 
Yeah. Two seasons. And then he had a $50 million contract, had, and then he showed up in Africa or something. I don't know exactly what happened. but And had some of the best sketches ever. Right. That one, the blind guy who didn't know that he was black and he was a white supremacist. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, he was in the KKK, and he didn't know that he was black because he was uh, blind. It is one of the funniest bits the fucking universe has ever seen. Right. He did, and he did it for two years, and it sort of when when they tried to change his show, and he just walked away. That's sort of like I, you know what? I don't know that anybody tried to change his show. I I, I, I know they did. They, no, you do. Okay, then. But what I, you know that he couldn't go into stand up because they wouldn't leave him alone. You know, he couldn't start going because right then he was ripe to play every major whatever whatever he wanted to sell. He could sell yeah. it. Still can't. And uh, but they would uh, Rick James, bitch. They mm-hmm. they would just scream at him the whole time, and it, and I can only imagine how frustrating that would be. And uh, but I, that happened for a little while, yeah. And, uh, I, I but saw now that. it's security heavy. I mean, if you want to get thrown out of his show, there's a good chance you will. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of big guys walking around, and then they're you know they try to stay pretty low. But if you're if you think it's going to be about you and Chappelle exchanging uh, pleasantries, you're wrong. You're going to be shut up and then thrown out, and uh, so. But and I I get it. I'll, I'll have somebody thrown out of one of my shows in a two seconds if they. Sometimes think you just have to. Oh, I. I saw Crystalia's Instagram the other day, and there was some uh, couple that was leaving, and apparently they were just really rude to him during his show, and they were yelling out, "You're a loser" and all this shit. And he and he, <laughs> he's on stage. You know, Chris is so silly. He's on. Chris is so silly. He's on stage. He's like, "Bye, you fucking idiots!" And like, you know, he's, he's right. laughing about it. He's like, "One more thing. One more thing. Bye, you fucking idiots!" Uh. And the whole crowd starts cheering. It's it's so ridiculous. But this uh, couple apparently they just wouldn't stop heckling him. They wouldn't stop calling him a loser. Like, imagine paying to go see somebody and then calling him a loser. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck? What happened? What yeah. happened? Where's who needs a hug? Who yeah. needs a hug first? I got a pretty I got a pretty zero tolerance policy. I mean, because I'm not going to banter with you at all. I'm going to ask you to shut up. And if you don't do that, then I'm going to tell you this. Things have been set in motion that I cannot stop because you didn't listen to what I said last time. And I can't because if I do that, somebody's already walking over and they're going to get thrown out. Well, I'm not talking about some fucking Mortal Kombat. God damn. Yeah, well, some people, you know, there's a there's a lot of different kinds of people, folks. Some of them just don't get it. They just they're just too frustrating to interact with. They just want to make it about them and scream out, interrupt a show, for whatever reason. And it's not their fault. Maybe it's the way they were raised. Maybe it's the fucking genetics they were handed. They don't go to the theater a lot. There's a lot of things. They might be drunk. They might be fucked up. They might have anxiety. Who they knows? Might, yeah, I think sometimes they think it helps. You know that that to give the comedian something to do. You know, to I think they think it helps. I don't think they're trying to stump the comic most of the time, because me or you handling a hecker heckler is like uh, it's like playing ping pong with a chicken. It's so fucking easy. You know, it's just. But I just don't want to do it. I don't want to spend any time doing it. I want to spend all my time entertaining these other bunch of people. I and, agree, uh, but occasionally I will. I will open to the fact that this is, this is a weird exchange between a comedian and an audience. It's a weird exchange. And occasionally people say shit that's fucking funny. You know, it, it is unfortunate. I should, like, be, I should be more like that, and I'm not. 
I'm not. I'm so I'm so fucking humorless. <laughs> and uh, because because I you know I, I'm I bounce laughs off a of laugh. So I'm that's what I do. I dribble. I'm a pace, rhythm, timing, boom, boom, boom. So I'm gonna start you here. I'm gonna dribble you to right. here. I and then I'm gonna be slamming you. But if you stop me, then I gotta go. Okay, fuck. You're right. And I'm gonna start dribbling down here. But I'll get there quick. But I mean, that just so I, I, it always makes me mad. And it shouldn't make me mad. That shouldn't be the reaction, but mm. it does. It makes me. I mean, it makes me mad because I I have what I want, right? And you're fucking it up. And uh, that definitely does happen. That 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 happens too. I just think every now and then someone says some funny shit. No, <laughs> you're right. I should. I mean, I should lighten the fuck up. I'm a fucking comedian. I had this one joke. This is one time, one of the best heckles ever. I was in New Jersey. I was doing a theater in Jersey. And I had this one joke about uh, Kim Kardashian meeting the aliens. And I'm like, well, who do you think is the most famous woman in the world? And this guy goes, your mother. And it's the way he said it. It was like the perfect timing. Or maybe he might have said your mom. Your mom. I think he said your mom. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. Your mom. Anytime you could say your mom was your mom. That's funny. I mean, that's that's eighty percent of the banter that Ari Shafir and I have with each other. Was it your mom that sucked all those dicks? No. Okay. Uh. <laughs> the guy never heckled again. It was the, the one heckle in one show. Right. It was like perfect. He went in like a ninja. He dropped a nuclear bomb. Boom. Your mom out and, then got, out, and then got a laugh. It got a laugh. Now, did you tell him that don't try it again? Your no, use, I admitted it, it, it was really funny. Yeah, like whenever you can say that, that's fucking. I funny. wonder why I can't do that, but I sure can't. I, it just makes me. It just pisses me off. Sometimes I, I, I agree. I agree. I'm not a, a heckler supporter, but I'm, I'm like. <laughs> I think you I'm are. Not, I'm not. Are I'm you? just saying. It's like there's a like what a live show is. I know. Really, some weird interaction, right? <laughs> and I think people like to know that you're right there. Well, when I'd been doing stand up for. For six years, and I was headlining comedy clubs. I prayed to God somebody would heckle me, because I couldn't get to forty-five minutes without it. So right. I, you know, I needed about four or five minutes of jabber, and uh, asking Hayseeds where they're from, and 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 uh, but it, which is pure third-grade comedy, and uh, and I'm clearly a fourth grader. <laughs> and, uh, How long is it before someone does a hologram show? Where you go to a theater and the holograms are so good that it it's, looks it's, like it's, it's really there. Ron White. It's already there. But you're on the on another side of the planet. Right. It's already there. You think so? Yeah. They, uh, it's on been uh, on uh, uh, hotel uh, whatever Rodeo Drive. There's a company over there on Rodeo Drive that are doing the most amazing. The thing is, it still needs to evolve. Right. You know, it's a uh, it's a uh, like these, um, well, anyway, it still needs to evolve. It's, did you see it, when they did it on CNN? When they used they used it for the elections one year, they had like Wolf Blitzer I, I and the did, hologram. Right. Do you remember that, Jamie? What was that about? They tried that like one time, and they were like, "This is freaking people the fuck out." Like, what are we, <clears> Star Wars? Right. What well, is he? Is he gonna beam up now? That's what a, the fuck is Wolf Blitzer could. doing in a hologram? Can you just put a camera on him wherever the fuck he is? Why do you have to show me a hologram? Like, what's going on here? People just right. Well, they, and, but it's they, they, now they just can't do it for as long as they want to. Right. So without it just costing a gillion dollars. So they, they, they but eventually it'll, you can do it on your fucking phone. Wow. You can, you can project an image of something you're thinking right there in front of you. Look at this woman. She's glowing. She's yeah. like, help me, Obi Wan. 
Hope You're my you. only hope. This is my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> CNN's Jessica Yellen via hologram from Chicago. It's a really fucking cool looking hologram, but she's got a oh, weird. Oh, I didn't even know we were watching something about holograms. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were talking to me. You're watching television. Look at it. It's right there. That's that woman. That was the one they did it on CNN where they had her uh, as a. This was uh, during the McCain Obama. Oh wow! And she's a hologram. And they did this on CNN. And she's glowing like the. I'm like this is so freaky. This is so like sci-fi. Like I think America was like no, yeah, it, no more of this. You know what else it is? It's it's really bad radio, because <laughs> nobody, nobody can see it. Yeah, but mo there's a lot of people watching on YouTube too. We'll tell them. Okay. Yeah. This is also on Wait, YouTube. Wait, what are we going to tell them? CNN's Jessica Yellen via hologram. Just Google that, and you can watch this video. CNN hologram first is a video we're watching. And you can play that, record it, and play it <clears throat> while you're listening to Joe and I's banter. <laughs> Just tell me what tell me what you're seeing. Like, cut it, does cut, this freak you out? You see this in. person with this blue glow around them? Like there's some fucking alien. What are they preparing mm, us for? It looks like money to me. I don't want to go straight Duplicate. Alex Jones here, but... I would say that looks crazy. Yeah. How long before people start doing stand-up like that, where the audience will heckle, but it won't work because you're not really there. So it only works right. if everybody shuts even, the fuck you, up. You just keep yeah. on moving. Just yeah. blow out of there. Sometimes I feel like that. Well, what they'll do is they'll film you doing a set somewhere in front of a crowd with this hologram thing projecting it. So there'll be you'll do a live show, but the live show is only going to be instead of a DVD. Right in front of you. It'll yeah. be something that you can. Maybe I could be in your living room yeah. if the, at some point that I, uh, for a limited amount of dates, no, <laughs> I still can if you have a lot of money. But eventually, I mean, where, where, I mean, I'm just saying, where does it stop? You know, where does it stop? If you can do that right there, yeah. then eventually you'll be able to do it on a small scale and, uh, uh, it's, you know. I brought my drone. <laughs> I didn't mean There's a drone now that'll follow you and take pictures of you. Have you seen that? It's like it floats. It floats above you and films. Films pictures of you. So you yeah. can like film stuff. I have one. You have one of those? Yeah. What do you do with it? Well, lately, now that I live at the Montage in Beverly Hills, I, I fly it down Beverly Drive and uh, and take uh, just take you know footage of it. And uh, turn it around, snapshots, and uh, go up. But, but the thing is, I used to live off a canyon, right? So if it crashed, it was just going to go into the canyon. Now it goes into some kid's head <laughs> if it fucking falls out of the sky, right? But, How often you know, does I, it fall? Never. But I still can't keep from thinking about it every once in a while. That <clears throat> it is fucking weird that you could just have a robot yeah, oh, yeah, that flies oh, yeah, around. Yeah, oh, look, you can go right over to the Beverly Wilshire and just park it right in any window you want. And if those curtains are open and you want to watch those people fuck, they're going to get pissed when they see that goddamn drone. But, you know, they don't know who's flying it. Yeah. What are we doing? And it goes 80 miles an hour. So it. What are you saying, Jamie? It's going to fall out of the sky here in a second. It's going to fall out of the sky? Yeah, it's just one of the new GoPro drones a couple weeks ago. Oh, shit. They're, like, they were over a baseball field, and it just it took a nosedive. Ooh. Didn't hit anybody. But that's yeah, just but luck. it didn't fall but on Beverly Drive it either it, like, right on during Christmas season. Feet. Oh, my God. That's like, crazy. What the fuck just happened? So that thing just fell out of the sky. Did you see the one where the, um, the wow. guy... That looks like bullshit to me. It happened. I'm pretty sure... 
this looks like bullshit though. Oh, this pose right. looks like well, bullshit. Maybe I'm just too quick to call bullshit. Maybe. But did you see that one where there was a guy that was on the skiing slopes and he was in some sort of Olympic competition or something and the drone fell behind him, him like right behind him like barely right. barely missed But it him. was a big drone. Big drone. Big, yeah. yeah, with a, like a movie camera on it or Yeah, something. here it is. So this guy's skiing. What is this competition, Jamie? The Olympics or something. Oh something shit, like and look at that. See oh, that he drone? never saw it. He never saw it, but it fell right behind him. Like this is crazy. Oh, it would have killed him. It probably would have fucked him up, man. Look at this. With this thing, and you're seeing it in high speed. First of all, look at that. Watch. Boom. Right behind him. And it looks like, it's hard to tell with God perspective, damn. but it looks like just a few feet. It looks feet. like it busted into about a billion pieces. Oh, that would have fucking hurt like hell if oh. that hit him. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm going to quit flying it over yeah. uh, Beverly Drive. That's uh, That's, that guy but you know, I can tell, fun. I can tell in my gut when I'm doing something that if I shouldn't be doing it, you know, I, I really do have a little signal inside of me that goes, Ron, <laughs> and I, I rarely listen to it, I rarely do. And uh, but you know, I think I probably ought to quit flying the drone up and down Rodeo Drive when I can't even see it. Yeah, definitely don't have that robot monster flying in the sky, dropping on people's heads mm. like that thing. I took it to uh, uh, where's the uh place where Sturgis is uh the bike thing yeah where is that uh, anyway there's a little town up there a little casino town uh, where Deadwood uh is uh it, it was I think it is Deadwood how do I not know where Sturgis is where is it <clears throat> it's in uh Idaho right? South Dakota South Dakota right <laughs> people in Idaho go we're not fucking South Dakota bro yeah yeah. So it's like a, that's third is that is that's that big motorcycle thing, right? Where everybody gets together and they just it's fucking huge. ride. Wow, I mean, it's insane. a million things. I mean, a million people. This is it. That so, is insane. Well, see, see how beautiful this little charming little street's been like this, except for the pavement for since seventeen eighty five. Holy shit! And it's always been intact because it's always been a town that always made money and oh uh, doing something. So, uh, big gold town, but so it's all intact. So. This is all going uphill where he's going right now, and uh, and it keeps going uphill for a ways, and then back up to the left is way up a hill is the hotel where I'm at. So I'm gonna take my drone and I'm gonna just gonna I wanted to shoot I want to go down that strip and and shoot that street you know just from one end to the other, and I had a, a spare battery in my pocket. And so I took it out front, and I, and I took it off from there, and I just kind of walked it over like I was flying a kite. And I get up there, and I, and, I, and I send it down the street. I just fly it down there just for a practice run. And, it, and it's, you know, almost a mile. Uh, and then and fly it back up, and, and, uh, and then I <laughs> fly it back down there again. And while it's flying, uh, this really good-looking girl goes, oh, you're the one with the drone scaring everybody. And I said, the kids love it, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, but then I look back around, and it wasn't there. the The drone was gone, and uh, and then uh, I, I start running down that hill. I mean, just kind of walking fast, going, "Where is it?" And then I uh, and then I I send it up, you know, because you can hit an up button, it'll go straight up till you can see it. And it wasn't that wasn't happening. I was walking down, and then I looked. And once the battery gets so low, it takes it, it, it just takes over itself and takes us back to where you started from. It says, you know, take him back to the home base. 
which is right in front of that really busy hotel. It's going to come in. My little drone's going to come dropping in. So I got to just huff it, and I'm a downhill guy. I am not an uphill guy. And I see the drone flying over my head towards the hotel. I can't stop it. I'm totally out of control. And I'm just, I can't, I mean, I can't stop. I got to get there. I got to beat the fucking thing to the, to the, to the fucking hotel. And I don't. But it doesn't matter because it comes down about an inch or an hour. You know, it just comes in really slow and just lands. And uh, so I'm like bent over, holding a chair, just, ah, ah, ah. I mean, this is as out of breath as I've ever been in my life. Just, ah. And uh, this guy goes, hey, is there any way I can get a picture I'm like, of me while I'm dying? Is that what you, ah. So those are there drones that can navigate around trees and things? There's the, these won't hit a wall. If like they'll uh, come near yeah, it and then they'll right. just stop. It, it'll, yeah, it'll if if you have that, uh, you know. It, what are we doing, Ron White? Why I don't the know. fuck are we allowing these flying robots to be everywhere? Well, it was a big case in Texas. My son was telling me about it, where this guy. Was, uh, flew his drone into another guy's yard and he shot it with a shotgun. And uh, he's like, "Well, you're filming my family, and I'm, you know, I believe." And so now it's, you know, who, who's at fault? He doesn't own that airspace. I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem like you'd own a foot or two of it, right? Of your own airspace. Well, it's your... a totally new dilemma, and right? it's one more piece of technology that brings us like weirdly more connected, some sort of strange, almost forced way. Like now. We thought the only way to get around was essentially by being on foot, so you could put up a fence. But now, if you can fly in 3D space, well, um, where am I allowed to go? Where am I not allowed to go? Right. <laughs> like, are you allowed to fly over anybody's house? <clears throat> like, what yeah. is, How does that work? And as technology gets closer and closer and closer and closer to whatever the fuck the singularity is, we're going to probably physically be able to do that. See, so we'll, right, right now, we can't physically fly around. It's too difficult to... Have some sort of a jetpack type situation. Yeah, listen, those those empty promises rang hollow years ago. Yeah. The the, the, the jetpacks. They did, but as technology improves, right? There's a possibility. Who knows? There's a possibility within our lifetime of some some sort of propulsion system that works on some sort of a vest that you would wear. Next hundred years, all you got to do to see what's going to happen in the next hundred years is look at the last hundred years, and and uh, and that kind of momentum is going to continue straight on until this looks like antique. uh, (laughs) uh, Why did they ever do it this way? A hundred percent. Everything we're doing is stupid. Everything. So Ron got in a car and drove, and. They did what? They met? No, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. But Yeah, man. These are, these are like the strangest times ever. I really feel like every day feels so strange. Like the, the, the fact that Donald Trump is really the president, like that feels so strange. Yeah. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't vote for uh, the president-elect, and, uh, uh, but I did get my tax estimates uh, two days ago, and when I looked at it, I was like, go Trump. Now, I don't mean to say that I agree with anything he's ever said in his life, but, you know, I don't know how these I don't know how these really rich guys are getting away with paying three percent and I play I'm paying thirty four percent tax on this money. And and uh, and, uh, you know, then, you know, well, he did get elected. So, 
you know, I am going to get the benefits of those tax breaks. I wouldn't trade my country for it, but I'll take them. It's just fascinating because he's the the first truly famous, like super famous guy who ran for president Mm -hmm. and won. No, Reagan. I don't think Reagan can fuck with Trump in the super famous department. Oh, come on. Reagan was a movie star, dude. I know, there was a movie star I mean, back when they had you three televisions. When I was I was six or whatever I was. I don't remember how old I was. I don't remember how old I was either, but I remember I was pretty I'm not young. good with numbers. I definitely wasn't voting age during, during the administration. But do you really think Reagan was as big a star as Trump is? That Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice show, that was a big hit. It, it, worldwide, no. Worldwide, no. But U.S.-wise, yes, I, ab- absolutely. Every bit is famous. And uh, and and so was uh, Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, for sure. If Schwarzenegger ran for president, if he was allowed to, he's not allowed to because he's born in Austria, right. he'd win. He'd fucking win. Right. I think he'd win. I think I think if Trump can win, for sure Schwarzenegger can and win. And I think he taught us something. He taught us something very important uh, that I, that I think changed the lives of a lot of people. You can't unfuck the babysitter. Can't do it. You can't unfuck the babysitter. You can't you take that fuck, back. Yeah, you can't. It is what so it is. So don't fuck the babysitter. It is what look, it is. Look what can happen. But people still love him. They know what he is. He's uh, you know. That's why I'm. Uh, he, he smokes cigars at this place where I smoke cigars sometimes and. I saw him walking out of a building. I said, hey, governor. He didn't, he didn't say anything. <laughs> but wouldn't you still call him governor? I mean, I would you... call him whatever he wants, sir. I met him once. I think I probably called him brother. Because <laughs> I call everybody brother. Right. But uh, he was super cool. I met him at the uh, UFC. I was like, I'm shaking his hand. I'm like, God damn, shaking hands with Arnold motherfucking Schwarzenegger. It's one of those weird ones. Yeah. Like, certain people you meet and you go, whoa. Certain people you meet and you're like, hey, man, what's up? Nice right. to meet you. And other people you meet and you're like, I can't fucking believe I'm meeting Sylvester Stallone. It's just weird, you know? Right. It's, <laughs> it's you know, like true. That J- Jack Nicholas, or Jack Nicholson, rather. Either one. Yeah. One of them's dead, right? The, the golfer died, didn't he? Nicholas, yeah. He died? Jack Nicholas, yeah. But Jack Nicholson. No, no, he didn't. Jack, he did. Jack Nicholson's no. alive. Arnold Palmer died. Oh, that's right. Jack's sorry. fine. Sorry, I'm Jack. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, everybody. If you're everybody listening, involved. if you're listening, Jack Nicholson, though the actor, like if you met and, him, and he's alive too. He is alive too. All these people are alive, Joe. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I knew somebody died. Couldn't figure out which golfer. It was yeah, Arnold Palmer. Yeah, but um, like that's one. You if you meet Jack Nicholson, you're you're gonna freak out a little bit. Like you have to. He uh yeah he played through our group at Bel Air one time when I was playing golf with Doc and uh, him and Joe Pesci <laughs> played through our group. What was that like? And you know what they they you know they just played play, they just played through our group. It was a par three that uh, I played the course a lot with Doc and uh, and then but they were they turn around you know they both gave you the movie star look you know and mm-hmm. uh, thanks you know it wasn't much but it was definitely. Uh, two really, really, really cool, famous people, you know. <laughs> so it's it's not often I spaz out at, uh, about meeting somebody, but I was in uh, I was like the the grand uh, marshal at the Talladega, and Margo sang the national anthem, so we were like the king and queen of the Talladega Speedway that weekend, and they were filming. Uh, uh, Talladega Nights was about to come out, and Farrell was there. 
And uh, we went to this dinner. It was a buffet, but it was by all these famous chefs, supposed to be really, you know, really nice. And and he was in line, and I just started walking towards him like a zombie. <laughs> I mean, I, was like, I, just, I had nothing to say. I had no plan. And, and then I just stopped myself and went, Ron, would you go sit down? Jesus Christ! I was, but I'm such a huge fan. I was like, I. I <laughs> And I mean, I, you know, I, I know some other famous people, and it, but you know, Farrell, you know, is a, that's a that's a big deal. And you know who else I? Every time I'm around him, and I've, and I've been around him several times, and is uh, Dan Aykroyd. And every time I'm around Dan, I say something completely fucking stupid because <laughs> I'm just a gigantic. I mean, I've, I, you, yeah. I couldn't even tell you how big an Aykroyd fan I am. He's one I of mean, the that's, fucking blues brothers. He's well, he's Dan Aykroyd. I mean, come on, right? No, and and but but that was when I was stop. We were stopping parties to play this stuff, you know. So he's anyway. Stopping parties. So he's a night. Yeah, yeah we, we, we would. There would be a party going on Saturday night. They would stop it and turn on Saturday Night Live wow. <clears throat> and watch uh, uh, Belushi and Aykroyd yeah. and, and uh, yeah. Bill Murray and and uh, all. The, anyway, it was amazing. And uh, but every time I'm around him, I always say something. Just, I mean, not. I know what you mean. I just, I mean, I mean, it's just like the most unimpressive I could possibly <laughs> fucking be. And, uh, it's still and uncomfortable. Then, uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a comic. And he's like, yeah, you told me that last time. I'm like, okay, fuck. Fuck. Oh, come Dude, on, Lord. Give me something. There's this fucking interview that they did recently with Jerry Lewis. It is hilarious. Have you seen it, Jamie? It. Apparently, they annoyed the fuck out of him, right? Like, Jerry Lewis is in his 90s. And they were interviewing <laughs> a bunch of people that are in their 90s that still work. And they interviewed Jerry Lewis. And I guess... It, it, they had annoyed him so bad and bringing in a bunch of assistants and lights and cameras and shit. So Jerry Lewis gave them like one word answers. Yes. No, it didn't. Like, <laughs> so he's doing this interview with these fucking people and the guy starts weirding out. We'll play a little bit of it here. Just, you can, it's on, what is it? A Hollywood reporter. Is that who's doing it? Is it going to come in through my headphones? Here? Yeah. You'll hear it through your headphones. This it's, it's fucking hilarious, man. Seven painfully awkward minutes with Jerry Lewis. People who are still working in their 90s. Have you ever thought about retiring? Why? Uh, was there never a moment that you thought it might be time to retire or you would want Why? To? You, come from a, you come from a generation a little older, and I think of Bob Hope, George Burns, Sinatra. You know, well, fuck you, yeah, they're dead wanna, people. Uh, he ain't dead. Look. Um, do you see similarities with them? None. None. What do you think drives people like you and and them to want to keep working? Because we do it well. And how about um, what um, what's different about performing now for you than say twenty years ago? How is it? How is it different for you? It isn't. Not, a, not at all. I, I, I kind of see his point. I see both of their points. And I don't. I don't. I see nobody's point but Jerry's point. Yeah. This guy's asking ridiculously stupid questions yeah. to one of the most famous comedians or comedians, but certainly the best comedic actor, one of the best comedic actors that ever lived. 
And he's asking him, why aren't you more like your dead friends? Yeah. Oh, well, because I'm not fucking dead. <sighs> yeah. I think. I think with a guy like that, if you're going to have a conversation with him, it's going to have to be like in a, a podcast form. And it's going to have to be with someone who uh, really respects him, you know? You know, someone who's going to have a conversation that at this point in his life, after all the movies and all the stuff that guy's done, he probably doesn't want to doesn't want to deal with any bullshit anymore. You know, I mean, and, uh, it seems like to him it was like this is stupid. What the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing yeah, this? Right. This, what is, I, this what feels I, yeah. uninspired. You know what I did the other day? This was the worst fucking decision I ever made. Not the worst, but it was a really bad one. Mother, my mom's in town, and and uh, you know we're staying at the montage because the house got destroyed, and and uh, and I'm like, mom, what do you want to do? She goes, well, I've never been to the La Brea tar pits, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, that's kind of like a puddle of mud uh, with a nice. Well, I'd like to go on one of those tour buses, and uh, I'm like, all right, well, I'll take you on one of those tour buses. I'll I'll, I'll take you and. Uh, so we go on the TMZ bus because I saw the TMZ, these big double-decker things, but that's not their bus. They advertise for TMZ on the side of those buses, but their buses are little buses. And they have, like, big bunch of television screens, and they just blast all this footage of, uh, of the... I mean, everywhere you go, what happened there, every time Paris Hilton was on their show, you're so rah, 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 real fucking loud, really, really, really annoying. And I was like, Mom, uh, <laughs> I mean, because we thought we were going to be really passive, you know, like, and that's where Jerry Lewis lived for 45 years, and right there is where there's George Carlin in the house, and, you know. But no, it was in your face, loud. It was like you were forced to watch an episode of TMZ and there somebody tied you to a fucking chair and wouldn't let you go and just turned it the fuck up that's how fucking annoying it was and it just horrible 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 and uh so at one point in the tour they said we'll be passing the montage hotel and I'm like hey, let's get off mom and she goes yeah let's get out of here so we scooted off, but it was it was nightmarish. It was, and I like those guys at TMZ, and they're friends of mine. But God, would you please fucking turn it down, my mother? <laughs> I brought my mother. I brought my mom. I feel bad for the guy that was asking the questions to Jerry Lewis too, because he probably thought he was gonna have a nice, friendly conversation with a legend. Probably totally intimidated. He's in Jerry Lewis's house, having a conversation with him, and he, it, it, it's going to that. One answer, one word answer, place. No, why? You know that that when when he starts doing that, it's like you're in verbal combat. But listen to what the questions were. Terrible questions. Uh, you're, terrible uh, questions. Guy's ninety years old. He's talking about it. why aren't you more like dead? I agree. That's, I agree. That's really, I mean, agree. what do you? How do you answer that question? I, it was a poorly designed conversation. Horrible. Horribly designed conversation. And it was obvious that that's how Jerry Lewis felt, and, and you could tell the guy who was asking the questions was kind of. You know, he's, he's treading on water. He's trying to figure out how to get the fuck through this while he's and he talking didn't, to he this did, living legend. he didn't legend. figure it out. No, he didn't. He didn't figure it out. He no, didn't. he should have. He uh, probably meant well. Yeah. He probably meant well and just ran into everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Unpreparedness. Unpreparedness. Yeah. It's just. 
that's a weird gig too. The 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 ability to ad lib and ask questions to some living legend like Jerry Lewis and just f not realize while you're doing it that your narrative that you set up in your head is probably disrespectful to him because he's you're comparing him to all these dead people. It's right. like why he's still working? Why you're essentially yeah, saying why you, he's still how alive? How do you not catch that? Yeah. How do you not catch that? It's got to be fucking. Uh, why you know you, you almost have to wonder why he decided to do it. I guess it's just the Hollywood Reporter, right? It's a big deal. You know, just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know that maybe does he still sell tickets? I don't know that he works. Does I think he... he does. I think that's what the guy was talking about. See if Jerry Lewis still has stand up shows. I think he had just got done. Fuck, I'd pay. I'd pay too. Right. I'd go see that. Fuck, yeah. That's uh, that's you know, I was Bill, <laughs> Bill Burr and I had talked about going to see Bill Cosby before the scandal broke. Like, and we had talked about going, and, and uh, either one of us flaked. I don't remember what happened, but Bill wound up going when he was somewhere in California. We were going to make a separate trip to Vegas just to see Bill Cosby. And Burr said he was fucking amazing. He said he was fucking amazing. And then the scandal broke afterwards, and like this touring stopped, and like it, was, it just became a totally different right. thing. I said, you know, we, we have, have that VIP company that we. Promote, we do other people's VIP stuff besides mine. We do other people's, and we had just signed Cosby, and that stuff breaks. And <laughs> he, he would have been the perfect client for it because he, you know, he, he's looking for trim anyway. You know, after the show, <laughs> so he's going to want to hang and sell it. You know, it would have been a great, probably would have been our best client. And, and he still sold uh, a lot of tickets after that. Look at this: an evening with Jerry Lewis, Saturday, November twelfth, two thousand sixteen. So real recent. Yeah, that was the last show I could find listed. Wow, that's a really recent show. Where was it? Where was that? St. Louis, Louis International yeah. Film Festival. Oh, wow. Oh, so he, that was just probably him talking about... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, Which still would be fascinating. Yeah, that would be fascinating. But I'm pretty sure he does stand-up. I'm pretty sure Jerry Lewis still does some sort of a stand-up show. He had, look, I think he had a show at Sedek at the South Point uh, in Vegas. Yeah? But there didn't have any recent shows listed or anything. Oh, like when, when was like the last show? There was an article from September, so he might oh. have had some shows at the end of the last year. Pretty recent. So within the last year, he's still working. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, those, <laughs> like, if you if you go back and watch, like, The Nutty Professor, like, we were talking about how that, <laughs> that influenced Dice. You know, if you go back and watch that and just realize there had been nothing before this. You know, like, there was Charlie Chapman and there's a few Chaplin. movies. Chaplin. Chaplin. What did I say, Chapman? Chapman? Oh, my God. I'm an idiot. Chapman. Don't listen to me. I'll stop now. But it, <laughs> you know, Three Stooges, you know, there was some fucking great shit. But God damn, man, those mo those guys were like real pioneers. Like Absolutely. how how many decades had movie comedy been around back when Jerry Lewis was doing those movies? Well, you know, it's it, you you can look at. I mean, here's the thing: the uh, some comics uh, build bridges, and most comics walk across those bridges after they've already been built substantially and in, in set in stone. So Lewis, you know, certainly built a bridge that Jim Carrey walked across in ballerina shoes, mm. and he knows it. And and uh, uh, but because that extraordinary uh, com comedic talent that comes out of those two people are you're so identifiable. And uh, you know, I think that uh, Pat Paulson built a bridge that uh, Stephen Wright walked across. Now that doesn't mean mm. Stephen didn't do it better, but he didn't invent it. 
But don't you think all of us are, in, in essence, in a, in, in a way, uh, some sort of a group thing? Because yeah. we're all kind Absolutely. of— Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're all kind of influenced by each other's standards and what you appreciate, like as a comic who's been doing it for as many years as you have. You know, um, I'm just two years after you. I was, uh, when did I start? August 27th, uh, 1988. So that's about two years after you. Yeah. <sighs> I mean. Which means we basically started the same day. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, that's a. I started like literally a week apart from Greg Fitzsimmons. Do you know Greg? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know him well, but I, uh, we worked together somewhere. And, Dude. Uh, and he's very funny. Yeah, he's he fucking hilarious. He's a smart dude. I tell you what, I, I tell people all the time, man, if you like stand-up comedy, go to the comedy store uh, and make a vacation around it and uh, go sit in there because, you know, people are going to come in and th that room rattles. Rattles. And you, you better be prepared to do something or, the, or you're not going to follow some of these fucking guys. Uh, uh, it, it's really, really strong, and uh, and it's fun. It, that's what makes it so much fucking. Fun. It's a pirate ship filled with murderers. Yeah, it really <laughs> it is, is right it now. Right. It, Any night killing, you go up, killing everybody, just slaughter fest. You're right. going on after savages. It's just yeah. like, oh Jesus Christ. But everybody's riding the wave of everybody else, and it's an unbelievably supportive place. Yeah. If you stop and think about how much camaraderie and friendship there is between the comedians, you would think if you get all these national comedians that tour all over the place, you put them together, oh, well, ego battles, it's going to be weird. It's the total opposite. Oh, yeah. That place is a love fest. Yeah, Everybody's hugging everybody and yeah. high-fiving and having drinks. I, you know, I, I fucking, I, I go on, I do my time, and uh, but I try to hit them as hard as I can right in the fucking mouth. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and because that's what I like to do, you know, yeah. is hit them right in the fucking mouth. So, and, and I guarantee you somebody just got through hitting them in the mouth. So they're still wiping blood off their face. Yeah. Uh, when I get, it's my turn to hit them in the mouth, but I'll hit them in the mouth anyway. And, but it's a, it's a, the crowds that you get a hold of are so alive. I mean, there's life. It's, it's like a swordfish on the end of a fucking line. It just vibrates, you know. Joey uh, Diaz was slaughtering so hard the other night in the OR that I felt like I was having a religious experience. I was in the back room of the OR, and Joey Diaz was slaughtering. His face was beat red. He was screaming <laughs> out, and I was, I was like, I was running out of air. I was laughing so hard. And I remember thinking, like, this is a special time. This is a special place. Like, this is a rare, rare little jewel yeah. in the universe of all the different performing arts that this one place has just sort of fucking cranked down the focus. Yeah. I mean, the other night, Chappelle. Oh, did it? Would Chris Rock bring up Chappelle, or Ch Chappelle brought up Chris Rock? Rock brought up Chappelle. How? What? Neither one of them were even on the schedule. Chris Rock pops in and brings right, up that's Dave why Chappelle. I tell people, that's why I tell people, come to the comedy store. God you don't know what damn. you're going to see for your fifteen dollars. Crazy spot. But you're dude. not going to see if you were going to have paid those guys to put a show on for you that you just saw tonight. There, it, it's it's seventeen thousand dollars a ticket, so, so or whatever it is. It's, it's expensive. It's also like a really like uh, honestly critical place too. If your if your new stuff sucks, they'll let you know. Oh like, yeah, real, real they don't quick. laugh at anything. When I first started here, I really had a great little burst of material that I really like, and 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 it's all the front end of my show now. And it's about twenty minutes long, or that that I that I want for the front end of the show. That's what I want. That's what I'm doing now in the front end of my live show, and. Uh, 
so it's but now I you know it seems like I'm just playing around with the order of that stuff to just see where it works the best and just how to just fucking really slap them in the face with it and uh because eventually over time your act will get into a place where it does drift into the spot it needs to be in but I don't have that kind of time so I need to look at it and uh do it different ways and see w where it needs to be uh, to just slap the fuck out of them and uh <laughs> which is my only goal is to slap the fuck out of them and uh and when I can't do that anymore I'll keep doing it for a little couple more years you, you slap the fuck out of them and I, I enjoy watching you slap the fuck out of them I enjoy it's watching fun. you slap the fuck out of them <laughs> I feel inspired, you know. I'm like you're gonna walk, you're gonna just waltz on behind Rogan, and I, you know, I, you know, you know how big a fan I am of yours, and I, and I, and I didn't, you know, I, I, I know exactly who you are, and not, not exactly who you are, not as much as I do now, but, you know, uh, but I really, I saw you do stand up in Atlanta one time as a feature act, and a long time ago, and you just wow. really fucking tore this crowd up, and I was like, ah, this guy's really good, and uh, so then, you know. The, I don't, I'm like you, I don't hang out there and watch comics, you know, but sometimes uh, you're right in front of me or right after me, and, uh, and, and I just got, you know, just huge respect, I mean, I'm just, just, it's so much fun to watch, it's, uh, it, you do physical things I couldn't even do, much less get the words out while you're doing them, you know, the, uh, but it's just great writing, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's cool, yeah, that's cool. Well, thanks, man, I, I feel the same way about you, and I would say that whether or not you just said something nice to me, but... Yeah, you know, it's I'm I'm honored to be friends with you. Like hey. no bullshit. As a comic, I, 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 like that's to I, me that's I, an honor, you know. Well, I'm uh well, since I'm now one of the godfathers. <laughs> You're the uh, godfather. Uh, of, uh, Who uh, who's going to like if you wanted to run for president uh, of the comedy uh, store, you just got here and you'd win. Son of a bitch, right? You can't. The, uh, I'd be disrespectful no. if I went up against you. I'll be Fuck, your vice president. No, yeah, no, no, you'd win. You'd mm -mm. win. Oh no no you're you're the statesman you're the state yeah, clearly the the, you know, the voice actually of when whenever whenever uh, Jay McGraw first met you he was asking me he goes do you know Joe Rogan I'm like yeah he goes what do you think about him I'm like I, he's a great guy he's a great comedian that's what people don't know I mean a lot of people don't know but a lot of people do know but a lot of people don't know that he's a great comedian not a good comedian a great comedian that's very nice and, I think uh, people know enough they don't need to know anymore I'm a good. No, you're a great comedian. You're a great. <laughs> that's not what I, I mean, I'm good with them knowing. Be, okay, okay, all right. Well, I'm just saying that's fine. But uh, but anyway, that's just what I told him. I appreciate and, that. that uh, and uh, he, and he said, but he doesn't talk much. And I'm like, huh? You know, it's it's like you guys were learning how to be boyfriends, but you're, <laughs> you're like, uh, he seems kind of. A, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I don't make small talk, but I, no, I you talk really, to people. Yeah, no. That's what I told him. I said, I said, you know what? You know, you're gonna love this guy. He's 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 solid. He's 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 got a big heart. He's he's right. He's he's what we're looking for for friends. And uh, so, uh, oh, well, that's so, very nice, <clears throat> man. This is a love fest. This so podcast now, is a big old love fest, Ron White. Uh, so now it's uh, now now Joe and I are fucking Facetime and Jay. It's the gayest <laughs> fucking three way in the fucking world. If we don't end up beating each other off before Christmas, I'll be Face, shocked. FaceTiming is another another level of commitment, other than texting with friends. If you start FaceTiming friends, like whoa, right? All right, buddy, who's, who's got the body they I, need to bury? I, I You're setting me up. I won't <laughs> even do that with my wife because I don't want to prove where I'm at. You know, I don't want to. Oh, really? To turn around and show me the interest. Get an Android phone. They can't communicate with each other. That's the move. 
Get yourself an Android oh, yeah. phone and She's just start to this Skyping now, from the other side of the honey, universe. I don't do anything wrong. I wonder if there's like some sort of a, a setting that you could have on. You, you know that they have those goggles. Have you seen these goddamn things now? These um, I've never watched. The, I've never looked through them. What are they called uh, again, Jamie? Um, Snapchat, Snapchat goggles, right? Oh, I, no. So these people have these goggles where they can stream. They can stream video from their fucking eyeglasses, like anywhere they want, wherever they are. They can stream video from eyeglasses. To, and to pick up where? You could like I could show you. I could show what I'm seeing. I could sh- look over and see Jamie. Show it to me. How do I see it though? Through and, my phone. And people could watch it online. <clears throat> they could check it out online. These are these is fuck. This is crazy. I mean, we're we're experiencing some next level technological innovation shit that's happening. Like right. some new, like even more invasive internet sort of thing this is the next level the next level is you can literally show the whole world what you see so is this uh i mean because i do periscope this is when i'm really drunk on the bus essentially a lot like that uh, but you don't have to hold on to it it's on your glasses so it's it's similar and there's a live streaming yeah, idea. Right. Like thirty it, second clips at a time too which that's is all the that, that's what it shows yeah yeah okay yeah but i stay on uh it's a, you know it's a blast we had this thing because i got a friend that, that does my vip stuff on the bus and he's he was I, he was also at that first show that uh, that i did so friend for wow. 30 years and holy shit and uh and so his name's dave and uh we do the when we're going down the road we just we're like this we get just baked you know after the show we travel at night and we'll do these broadcasts and uh the uh, Big Gay Dave and Ron show, and uh, the, and w- which has no content or anything. And it's, uh, but you know what? I don't know that it's growing that much. Uh, uh, Periscope, I mean, and it's the most amazing thing that you yeah. can do a live broadcast and you can pick it up in Cairo as easy as you can pick it up in Lubbock. I think it's pretty popular, isn't it? Pretty popular, Periscope. Is I know Scott Adams. Scott Adams had a very popular just Periscope. Changing what a Twitter owns it. They just made it. <clears throat> excuse me. It's built right in now to Twitter's app. So like, if you hit Twitter and you're like, instead of putting up a message, there's a button that says live video and it's Periscope. It will just open right. Oh up. wow! So they're trying to just figure out how to make it more uh, available for people to be. Whew. And do they have a limitation long. on how long the clips are? I don't believe so. No. In there, you can go no. well over an hour. Yeah, right. That you can do whatever so you want. Crazy that. Yeah. Kind of interactivity that has never existed before. That has never, there's never existed anything like, like Scott Adams. Like he was doing coffee with Scott Adams like several times a week, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. If if, if probably if we, I have if no we, idea, you had no idea. Did it. I could tell. I know he did a bunch of them. Seven. I'm like, how many times did he do it? I might have just made just that the up. Easy access to turning it on. It's on now. People know yeah. it's on now where you are. Yeah, and you just turn it on and they get a notification. Ron White. You're right. They do that on Periscope. You also. should have one on Periscope that says Ron White is drunk like and he wants to talk. 25,000 followers on Periscope. I Damn. Like I don't know if that's true or not. I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> you might get them after the end right. of this podcast. We'll just tell you you have them and everybody jump on. Follow away. Well, we don't have a good enough signal. Right yeah, right. I, I was doing it for a while, but I, I got bored with the Periscope thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, don't, am I exposed enough? Instagram Live just started up. I and know. They've been, they've been pushing that around. I saw. That's a little limited to an hour, and those videos don't last after. Oh, that's they weird. Kinda, they just disappear. Oh, that's uh, weird. I don't want that's too bad. That's kind of too In bad. In some but, cases. But I would guess that the amount of fucking data that they would have to stockpile if everybody's shit saved <laughs> every every fucking dummy out there saved the video of them flexing on the beach 
you know, all, all the fucking stupid videos of some guy telling a shitty joke at a bar. All those things, just gigabyte after gigabyte after gigabyte stored on the Twitter server. They'd be like, fuck you. That's, Delete. That's what happened to um, the TMZ bus ride. That yeah, that's the problem the with hell. the future is that everybody's going to know everything everybody does all the time. There's kind of not going to be as much craziness going on in the next hundred years. In the future, I think everybody's going to know. I think we're about 50 years away from us becoming some crazy hive mind. That's what I think. I'm stoned and drunk. How long do you think I'm going to live? I'm making some fucking how, points. You how, how can live. You, you got to just eat what I'm eating. You got to come to yoga class with me. You got to eat healthy. You, you live in, out in the country. I, <laughs> I'll send somebody to you. You're a wealthy man. This is all we have hey, to I, do. You know what? I've, I've been working with my, my yoga uh, girl, uh, and uh, it's pretty... Pretty basic stuff, but it's uh, but I'm working on it. A basic days stuff's a week. all you need, man. Basic yeah. stuff's all you need. If you could work your way up to do a hot yoga class, no nah, fuck. You know, my wife took me to one of those. It was, it was the worst thing I've ever done in my it's life. My favorite I, I, shit. I walked out. That's my I, suffer I, fest. I, how often do you do it? I I never do it more than twice a week, but I really should. I've, I'd practice some of it at home. Like I do some shit you have at really home. Really hot room. No, 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 no. When I do it at home, I'm just working on like basic exercises, stretching shit, but uh, never more like in class form than twice a week. But when I when I have done it twice a week, I felt better than when I did it once a week. Yeah, but I I always <clears throat> do a done little it for, bit for 25 years, and and Margo is strong. I mean, she's strong. She did head handstands, oh. and but you know she's she big time upper body strong. Do you think she could choke she, you? Should, could she get you back? If, if if you look at her in the dark, kind of uh, from behind, if she's flexing her muscles, she looks kind of like Floyd Mayweather. Whoa. I mean, just a... Uh, That's not fun. I mean, she's... That's I scary. No, she doesn't look a thing like Floyd Mayweather. But she's just ripped. She got a ripped back, and she's uh, really, really, really strong. But she does... Uh, she's always done that. So I'm... I'm, I'm you know, I got to do something, man. I, I, I can't be fucking going into my 70s without being fucking We just got to get you fit. on a nutrient-dense diet, drop a little body fat. Yeah, yeah. what'd you bring to the fucking party? A bottle of fucking whiskey yeah. and a joint. But I'm going I'm to have that, too. You know what I had for breakfast? I had a kale shake with MCT oil and beets, raw beets. Then I went to yoga. You know, we, we have that new, uh, new, new uh, <laughs> presser, uh, this new juice presser thing. At the oh, house. those are the yeah. shit. Yeah, we just got hooked up with it. Oh, man. If you can just get used to drinking juice, just fresh squeezed vegetable juice, if you can just get used to doing that just a few times a day, it'll drastically improve your life. There's so much nutrients and plants that we need, and we fucking escape them for days. We I don't, just eat you know, mashed I, potatoes I, and meat and shit for days. I don't have any energy for a workout. I, I, you know, I just don't. I, I, I get there. I'm tired. I, want, I don't want to go. I hate. I dread it going in. I dread it when I get there. I dread putting on my shoes. I do. I, and I don't know why some people are as lazy as I am, and, and I know that's what it is. And I used to be a runner. I used to run five miles a day. Just I would run like crazy, and I hurt my knee really bad. And, but I just don't like to go to the gym. I hate it. But I know I have to. I know I have to because uh, my friends are all dying, and uh, and I'm going to be seventy in ten years. And uh, so I've got to. So I'm. But and I know yoga is the thing because uh, this guy that this Dave, big gay Dave, 
is a golfer buddy of mine but he's also a yoga for forever well bless you big gay dave bless you take him take him where he needs to go um yeah man yoga's the the best thing about it too is it will get your heart rate up it will be very difficult but it's going to straighten your body out it's going to stretch you out it's going to straighten you out it's going to calm you down like you're not trying to be a power lifter you know you don't want to do anything ridiculous you don't want to do anything to hurt your back oh, what no. you want to do is like something that's going to make you feel better well that's you know I, I, I had this new trainer and uh and I told the guy I said listen man I'm a pussy. Your phone's going. Don't. What's my wife? You want to talk to me? No, but play, put the, play the music that rings when your phone. Put it up there. <laughs> uh, uh, powerful Ron oh, White. Oh, oh, uh, Bring it back. Uh, you know, he's a buddy of mine, uh, Brian Johnson. Really? The lead singer. He, um, his hearing apparently is all fucked up from all his. Yeah crazy concerts all those years well they're uh you know it's kind of a interesting thing that uh because we're talking about uh the holiday evolution of anything you mm -hmm. know and uh but there was a guy in in uh australia who invented the ear in-ear monitors which destroyed his hearing to begin with uh so he dedicated his life to f finding a way to fix that and so he did but the problem is, and it does, I mean, if you watch tape of people putting these things on, people that are almost completely deaf, putting this system in their ears, every one of them starts crying. Wow. Every one of them. And uh, so he's, he had an open letter to Brian Johnson and said, Brian, I want to come to your house in Sarasota. I want you to put these in your ears. But the problem is, it's not portable. That, it's, not, it, it's portable in that it's this big. You, when not, you're making a, like a laptop size. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a right. thicker than that. A like a large hoagie. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, so, but but the technology's there. I mean, he can, it's amazing. And he, he hates hearing aids and, uh, you know, and he's a curmudgeon. Uh, he's, he's the sweetest guy I know. He, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. But you know what was cool about it, man? When Axl Rose started, I, mean, I was like, should I accept this? No. Should you accept Axl Rose no. singing ACDC? No. I accepted it 100%. No. Because I thought, look, it might not be Brian yeah. Johnson, but it's still Why Axl not? fucking Rose. Right. And, he, and it's kind of interesting. We, like, Brian couldn't do it anymore. Axl steps in. I like it. I like it. I'm happy with that. That's a freak show, but in, in, in an awesome way. It's right. like, how often are you going to see this? How often are you going to see Axl Rose Singing as a lead singer for AC fucking DC, like wow. Well, their their ticket sales, Holy shit. Their ticket sales dropped by seventy percent. That's a bunch of pussies in America. No, that don't that, respect no, Guns that, and that, Roses. That, no, that, 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 well, that's true. They don't. <laughs> but but the thing is, that's Brian Johnson's voice. Brian Johnson's. Oh yeah, the, no, the, I, I Back in Black was the second biggest selling album of all time, behind Thriller, at mm -hmm. fifty-two million copies. That's Brian Johnson, not fucking Axl Rose. What, I 100% and Brian agree. Johnson's still a freak show vocalist, and and at some point, you know, his brother Malcolm, his, Malcolm was the better guitar player anyway, better than Angus, and and Angus knew it. Everybody fucking Strong knew words. it. Yeah, but but he was the engine behind that really complicated. It doesn't sound complicated. Really fucking complicated rock and roll, mm. and uh, that's why it was so engaging for the whole fucking planet. And it was, but it was Brian Johnson's voice, not uh, not Bon Scott's. You know that he was their lead singer for five years. But Von Brian, Scott had some great fucking songs too, right? He Didn't did. He? 
He he, he did. But who are the but, big hits but, under Von Scott? I, yeah, I don't know. God damn it! Because I've I've, I've only I've only I've only heard Brian sing them. Right. But but Back in Black is which was the second biggest selling album of all time, was all Brian Johnson. Yeah, and, no, uh, no doubt about it. I'm not saying he years. wasn't. So fucking I, and, incredible. and you know what? And, and, and I'm wrong, as I usually am. Because why not? And Angus still loves to play it, and you know why not? It got ugly a little bit. Well, that's not my place to talk about that, but. Uh, but, oh, there was like some political shit, uh, you know. But well, whatever. But uh, yeah, and I also heard some reviews that he did a really good job. Are these all who who sings these? Jamie, these are Bon Scott songs. Which ones? Dirty Deeds. Highway to Hell. Oh my God! DNC, Highway to Hell. Dirty Deeds. Oh my God! Well, yeah, the best that's, ones. But go back up to Dirty <laughs> Deeds. That's Brian Johnson right there. Right. Uh, it is. If you want to, if you want to hear somebody sing it. Well, he was fucking amazing. Look, they were both amazing. No, I'm not like uh, picking sides, but what if Brian Johnson just came out to the shows? I mean, he can't, he can't do it anymore. Why would he do that? Because just because it would be cool to see him there. Like, yeah, to, like oh what, man, I don't know. No, no. Nah, he's not wheeling him out. He just can't. No, or no. He, could, can, one, can he not hear still, that sound he, anymore? He still races cars. I mean, he, he's he's got a fucking car team that he races these Lolas, these big old these guys that were in Pan Am races. These cars are running two hundred miles an hour. He races them. Oh now. wow! And uh, he travels the country. He's got a new car show coming out that I'm going to be part of. No shit. Uh, he insisted on. I mean, I think wow. I'm, we're going to awesome. film my part in like a couple of days for the whole season. So can yeah. but can they in any way restore his hearing to the point where he could start singing yes. again? So Andy, how far Andy away would. They? Andy would. Dude, I felt like. You know, when when he stepped out, I was like, this is a weird moment in our uh, love of these these epic rock stars. Right. When we see, you know. Well, you know what? The thing is, I I went to see Chicago the other day with my son and uh, and it was great. It was fucking great. There's three guys Uh, and not one of the one of the singers, the, the, the one that wasn't as good. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and and but they, he was replaced by this Irish tenor that could just hit every single one of those notes, and and it was great. And I was with my son; we were partying. So I, the only reason is it's kind of personal to me because he's a friend, and uh, right. so I know what he was going through that year, and and uh, with also the death of his best friend, and then mm. his the loss of his hearing, and then the loss of his band, and that's not. And there were only a few dates left. But that's not the way he wanted to go out. But he's Brian fucking Johnson, you know. Right. He's the shit. He's the he's literally a treasure of a fucking guy. He's right up there with Charlie Chapman. Charlie Chapman, Brian, <laughs> Brian Johnson. Yeah, he, I mean, there's no doubt about it, man. I mean, he's a fucking epic vocalist. Epic, you know. His yeah. fucking impact and his intensity got me through many a workout when right. I was a struggling adolescent. It's, it's still on my phone. <laughs> yeah, Fuck yeah, man. Uh, I mean so, that is that's one of the like the all time. So you can actually hit, uh, pull out hitting bands ever. You can pull up uh, footage. I guess you can of uh, Margo and uh, Brian on stage in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, in a little oh, club. Shit! Can wow. you put put uh, Brian Johnson and Margo Ray? See if that comes up. That's awesome. Holy yeah, shit! Oh, good lord! Holy it was Margo's show, and towards the end of it, Brian was there, and I was like. You know, her uh, her band knows shook me all night long. They've been working wow. out all week. Do you want to go sing it? And he goes, well, I don't know if I can sing. I have a phone run. I haven't sung in years. I have a better I have a fossil at the hing. And uh, oh, there, there it is right there. Wow. That's my wife, Mark. This is crazy. 
This is so crazy. When was this? It's 2014. Three or four years. Oh, it was it? Two or three years ago, it said yeah. in the video. Yeah. Wow. So, this is pretty, pretty cool. She, she goes, uh, okay, a friend oh, of mine is going to come up and sing a song. Uh, oh, shit. From uh, ACDC, Brian Johnson. <laughs> And how many uh, people are in this room? 175. That is insane. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. That must have been the most epic shit ever. Yeah. To be in that uh, room. God uh, damn, man. I yeah, saw Gary was... Clark Jr. and Honey Honey play in front of, like, 300 people. Do you know Gary Clark Jr.? He was in an episode of Roadies. God damn, that dude's good. I know, I know. Holy He's sick. shit! Him and Honey Honey, they played this midnight show in downtown yeah. L.A. It was you, just you, crazy. You know That's the thing. You've been waiting for your Hendrix, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Where's that guy coming from? That's who it is. It's yeah. Gary Clark. Dude, that guy's, he's, he's and, got uh, something crazy going on. Yeah. The way he, like, he's got such a specific guitar sound. Like, he did this riff, and while he was doing this, 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 they, um, they played, they did a, a cover of the Midnight Rider. They decided on the spot. So Suzanne from Honey Honey didn't even know the words to the song, so she got on her phone and downloaded the words. So she had the words on her phone. She's reading it off their phone, and people got mad because oh, this bitch keeps checking her phone while she's saying it. She's literally, she Read. joked around about it. She doesn't know the words to the song because although she's a fan, she hasn't sung it in years. She doesn't know it. She right. probably never sure. sang it live. So she live for the first time ever, improvising on the spot, sings her version, unprepared, of Midnight Rider while Gary motherfucking Clark Jr., Plays Hits. all the Dickie Betts parts. Look at this shit. Do listen to this. I recorded this from the front row. Oh my god. Dude. <laughs> I recommend getting out there doing the Joe Rogan podcast. Get fucked up and listen to some music. This dude is an alien. Comfortable in saying that's the most intriguing guitarist since uh, Hendrix. Uh, I feel real comfortable saying that. Yeah. That's that's a bad yeah. motherfucker. And to see that live in like a couple, it's like <clears throat> maybe three hundred yeah. people at the most in that. He place. sat down and played. Uh, you know, he came out whenever my character died. He was one of the guys that came to the funeral and sang. And the character, I don't know, Rhodes. Nobody watched it, so. But he was you were it. so psyched about that, man, before and, it came uh, out. I was. I was. And it was, you know what? It was it was good. It was it was really good. I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. And it was the problem was it was you know, a lot of people have a fucking hard on for Cameron Crow for some reason. Really? Yeah. They don't like him? 
I, you know, they, they jumped on this show's back so hard, so fast. You mean the critics did? Yeah. Oh, I so mean, it's a bad from, relationship from, with the from, critics, perhaps? Yeah, the first word out of their mouths was just, this fucking is the worst piece of shit. I'm like, what? The one, <laughs> I love it. I think it's, you know, Cameron always has a sweetness to his shows. I mean, his movies always have a sweet edge to them. You know, no matter what it is, whether it's, uh, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High or uh, but the whole line of movies, Jerry Maguire, uh, uh, Almost Famous, they, they, you know, they all epic. had... They all, those two, right? Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Almost Famous. Right. Those are epic movies, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even and Jerry Maguire Jane. won uh, Best... Uh, somebody won something for something in Jerry Maguire. Oh, yeah. Show me the money. Yeah. And so anyway, the uh I forgot what we're talking about. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Nope. No. Cameron Crow. Cameron Crow. Oh yeah, the movie. Oh yeah. They just jumped on it. You know, they just jumped on it. They were shitty, you know. They of course. Because they could and uh and they're cunts. And whoever that right. bitch is that reviews for Variety magazine, well, one day she's going to feel a turd in her throat. <sighs> Whose turd will it be? It'll be my turd. Oh, you're going to shit right I'm in her mouth? I'm going to shit in her mouth. Oh, I am going to shit in her God, mouth. God, these are strong words. Oh, they're horrible words. Mm. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll just flick some ink on her dress. I think it's going to be way easier if you... Uh, like, I, I think about like the, like the kind of sort of grudges that someone yeah. can have with right. someone like him, like Cameron Crowe. It's going to be way easier to avoid that stuff if for, sort of you're being reviewed by everybody instead of just being reviewed by a bunch of, like, selected outlets like the Washington Post or the New York Times, the Hollywood Reporter, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The, the, just the open-ended aspect of the Internet is kind of changing that, don't you think? I think so, you know. I think I, so. I, I think so. Uh, they, you know, they canceled it. My, my character was going to die anyway. And uh, <laughs> the so I was like, but I still love the cast so much. It was, uh, you know, fucking uh, Machine Gun Kelly. He's got a fucking huge hit on the radio or just uh, just did. That kid's cool as fuck. Machine Gun Kelly, do you know who it is? I don't know that guy. Oh, he's a... I've heard that oh, name. He's a, he's a young... Loop, Jamie just nodded at me like I'm an old man. Uh, yeah, you're, you're he's a young, loop, old fucking... unbelievable rapper, white oh. guy out of, out of Cleveland. That's what the world he's needs, more white rappers. Fucking crazy. the age of Trump. No, they don't need more, <laughs> but they need this one because he's the real fucking deal. And, I and, believe and you. And he's a... Uh, uh, he was great in the show, just great. He was the he, he really gave the honesty to the fucking show because he because he is a you know big party and rock star. I'm writing and, his name down. Yeah. I'm gonna buy his shit MGK. right after I get out yeah, of here. Yeah, MGK. Yeah, nice. It's well, it's always cool to see and and hear about new shit that's awesome. I heard there's a documentary on Netflix called Rat. I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen it, Jamie? But I think I told you about it Rat? a while ago. I heard about Rat. it. It's about, is it Spurlock about rats? It. Yeah, rats it, in New York. Jesus Christ, Morgan Spurlock. Why are you trying to fucking freak I, me out again? I saw it. I saw it on there, and I, and I chose not to watch it. <laughs> he I, freaked me out about McDonald's. Now he's freaking me out about rats. That goddamn Morgan Spurlock. <sighs> rats, apparently, in New York City, there's m as many rats as there are human beings. I made that up. 20 minutes. I was with you. In the days like, before the internet, I could get away with who that. Counted I think it's them. probably pretty close, though, honestly. There might actually be more rats. Sure. Because look how much space they take up. Whoa, look at this. The, Morgan Spurlock flying over that, New York with a, a drone. That's a big rat right there. 
the space of a, a Jack Daniels whiskey bottle yeah. is about the size of a good. Look at the floor on this thing. Mm, wonderful. That's a beautiful wonderful bottle. Floor. It's a beautiful bottle. It'd be awesome for a bar fight. Some shit broke out. Do, do we, we have, have any, to? Do, are we out of eyes? No. Do you care how drunk I get? No, yeah, I'm, not I'm, at I'm all. taking a. I, I got I'm gonna have my car towed. And... That's what I'm saying. Have that fucking car towed. Don't worry about the ice. There's plenty of ice, Mr. White. Where are you? (laughs) People are text messaging. Hey, my wife is. Tell them you're on YouTube. Out then, Al Gord's interwebs floating through space. And look, it's young Jamie with the ice. Bam. Young Jamie, camera camera operator, ice getter, bad motherfucker. Ron White, what are you doing? Text messaging while I'm, I'm, I'm trying, rambling? No, I, I am. I, I'm, I'm just trying. To, my, my wife is trying to find me. Mm. I told her this was going to be about an hour, so I told you gotta her. You got to get her a drone, bro. Like a little one. Just keep it right next to you. Right. Have like it follow fly. me around. Okay. Yeah. All right. But it also, it's like okay, practice bust, for your focus. Bust my fucking balls. Because if you have like an artificial Married drone with children. flying over your head like that, like it's uh, at least it, like, it gives you like this mental discipline. You have to ignore the drone, ignore the drone, ignore the drone. I gotta I'm okay. We're, I'm gonna I'm bring her on. To the, the Don't t- do it! Don't do it, Ron right. White. This would be chaos. All right. We could wrap this up if you want. No, no, I don't want to wrap it up. But um... oh, she thought it was gonna be an hour. We've definitely done hour podcasts. Only a couple, like maybe three. I don't. I don't care. I, no, I'm having a blast. Okay. I want to stay here and drink. And, That's uh, what I'm talking nobody, about, Ron White. Until nobody wants to. Uh, nobody cares anymore. That's not gonna happen. That place isn't gonna exist. Send uh, send Margo a text. <laughs> I'm still at work. Ron White is at work, ladies and gentlemen. These cameras aren't on, though, right? Definitely not. Why would that be? Are they? Yeah, for sure. Oh, good. Yeah. Wait, I... We're streaming. We stream on YouTube. Okay. And to record, and then it gets uploaded after the fact. We put it on the iTunes. So are we live to anybody right now? Probably, like, let me guess. 10,000 people? Oh, I guessed. Really? Yeah. Was that ever- Wow, that's a fucking good guess. Holy shit. Jesus. I wouldn't even have had a guess. I'd never, uh, I've never asked before. Like, uh, only in the big ones. Like, when we do Fight Companions, what's the most it's ever been? Like, 30 or something? 33,000. 30, yeah. 33,000. The most I can get stirred up on uh, Periscope's about 3,200, maybe. I don't know what and, I've ever uh, got. I'm, I don't haven't used it in so long, but it's... It's one of those things where if someone found out, like, that's one of the things that happened with that, uh, the um, uh, Scott Adams guy. Because people found out. They're like, well, this really intelligent guy is also a Trump supporter. Is he a Trump supporter? No, he's not a Trump supporter. He's literally not even voting. But he's breaking down why he thinks Trump's going to win, and people are freaking the fuck out. Like, he literally is telling you, I'm not voting. I'm not voting for anybody because then I'll have some... Sort of a, a a player in the game. He he is a weird guy. That Scott Adams, in a good way, like he's a sort of defy. He's he defies a he's lot. He's a Democrat. Of your, I he's mean, sort of a Democrat. Democratish. He well, he's very open-minded. I would say, but uh, he got unfairly labeled as being like this uh, Trump supporter. Whereas I don't think he was a Trump. I don't think he was. Anti- he just, most certainly was not anti-Trump. Well, it but all, what it, he was trying it to didn't say didn't hurt Trump's. Uh, program for him to say Trump's going to win for sure, and I'm the one that knows. And he also has the background that says yeah. he, he's the one that knows. So it wasn't, it, it, you know, it, it was one of the f- several blows that uh, that Hillary took, besides being a horrible candidate, uh, 
that, that she took that, that knocked it out of her hands. You know, there were these two people were running against the only people that they could possibly fucking beat. And, uh, you know, if she just wouldn't have said basket of deplorables. When she said yeah. that, I was like, Jesus, titty fucking Christ. Really? There was a bunch of them. Give them a hammer. But anyway, just, you know, when people, even people that wanted to look at it as an alternative vote, like as an alternative to the potential chaos that Trump could cause, you know, and some people looked at it that way. And some people, honestly, I, I think I'm, I don't know what percentage I would guess it would be. But there's a bunch of pragmatists that got in there. And when it came time to vote, looked at that fucking ballot and said, you know what? Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Let's just see what happens if we put this fucking crazy guy in here. We were in England. Why not? And uh, at, at one of Margot's friends' house, and this guy who I really, really like, uh, uh, he, uh, he goes, "Well, the monkey in me would love to see Trump win." <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah, right. The monkey in me, the fucking monkey oh, in me, that's and hilarious. you know what could he really do? And but you know, I don't know. He could definitely do something, but what would he do good? And yeah, what, right. what, what and would a complete shakeup of the system look like? I don't know. You know, and I think that there's this weird defining of things right now where everyone has to absolutely say in one way or another, either support or deny. They either support him or don't support It gets to me to be real cultish. It gets to me to be real, like, right. fucking uh, patriot pride. You know, yo, yeah. I'm fucking, I'm for the dolphins uh, no matter what. Uh, right. It gets no. real weird. It gets real hey, weird. I had a guy wouldn't take a picture of me at a meet and greet because I was. I, somebody just brought up the subject, and I don't fucking bring it up at my meet and greets or my show. Right. I used to do one bit about it, and uh, that was barely could be conceived as anti-Trump. But uh, because half my fucking fans, I'm not going to lose half my fucking fan base <laughs> over a goddamn presidential election. Yeah, you kidding right. me? Exactly. I'm greedy. I'm no, I'm not a Dixie well, chick. But people will get mad at you about shit like this. Oh, too. the guy literally, they, they go, uh, his, he had two girls with him, and they, they took pictures. He goes, it's your turn to take a picture. He goes, if he's not going to support Trump, I'm not going to take a picture with him. <laughs> and uh, you know what I said? Well, you know what? There's a door right the fuck there, and you can just walk the fu you can just walk the fuck out of it. Wow, he wants to drain the swamp. That's all it is. Hashtag drain nope, the swamp. Nobody's draining no swamp though. <laughs> there ain't no swamp being drained down there. Yo, Dick Cheney emerging as key Trump advisor. Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ. Christ, Darth Vader uh, we're, has we're, returned. We're, we're bringing Halliburton back into the bum, son of a bitch. Bum, 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 bum. He's been on ice, it turns out, for eight years. The only Dick Cheney that we've ever seen in news reports has been this artificial Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney's cryogenically frozen himself for eight years to get through the Obama administration and then to pop back up in the Trump <laughs> administration with uh, fully renewed and invigorated. He couldn't go three months without having open-heart surgery back when he was right Jesus before he was elected. Christ, Ron White. Jesus Christ. You, there was a point in time where Dick Cheney literally did not have a pulse, and I was like, "Jesus Christ, isn't this in the fucking Bible?" I mean, yeah. really? If you want to, you, you guys want to follow the Bible about the end of the world? I don't know if it's in the Bible, but he had a machine inside his body that pumped his blood, and it didn't make a pulse, so he didn't have a fucking pulse for a long time while he's waiting for a heart transplant. See, Cheney has heart just fucking pop-ups. Cheney has heart pump, but no pulse. What? That's got to be a zombie. Okay? 
Are you excited or are you not? I can't even tell. I, you I know put what? my fucking fingers know. on your neck and I don't feel shit, you fucking vampire. And you're still going. You're still going? You're still running Halliburton and uh, <laughs> you're the... <laughs> He's still in politics. Last... He's not fly fishing. I, you know what? I, I really thought... I, I, I haven't heard his name in years. I, I, I'm like you. I, I, I haven't had heard a, his name in years. He had a heart transplant. I had a joke that I could never figure out how to get to work. It was about how... One Secret Service agent realized he wasn't really a Secret Service agent. He just had the exact same blood type as Dick Cheney. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, how come yeah. I got to eat tofu and you guys are eating burgers, man? What the fuck? And they just never told them. How come yeah. I got to run every day? You guys don't have to fucking run. Shut up, bitch. Get running. And they'd, yeah. <laughs> they'd sit behind him in the car, it. pacing with him, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> And then one day, Dick Cheney has a fucking heart attack, <laughs> and they open that dude up like a fish and just scoop out his yeah. fucking fresh heart and do some roadside service. Yeah. I can well, never figure out how to get I to work. I think it's very funny, but I don't know it's how not, you're going to get it to work. It's never going to work. It was just terrible. It was about heart attacks and dead people, and it's not funny enough. Hey, I got, I got baby duck pussy lip tacos to work. That was a... One thing I can comfort myself in is knowing that Dick Cheney did not get an get any advantage as far as waiting in line for a heart guarantee you it was 100 percent fair and across the board know? without a doubt dick cheney did not have any influence whatsoever okay. right. in anyone moving him to the front of the line to get a young fresh 20 year old basketball player's heart there's definitely no 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 chance about it no no no, no absolutely not that the motorcycle victim the 17 year old super stud athlete there's no way that heart is going into dick cheney's heart yep. no not going to did it i would guess so yeah so uh <laughs> how's he doing now when, when did that know. happen did he have a uh i don't know man the, does anybody know didn't know who whose heart it was he had a transplant at age 71 jesus christ it's three years ago hanging on son <sighs> he suffered five heart attacks undergone open heart surgery multiple catheterizations and angio angioplasties had yeah. a defibrillator implanted and a pump attached directly to his heart all of that before his transplant at age 71 where some young uh. strongman winner <laughs> now he's a sprinter <laughs> they got some fucking kid from iceland that dropped one of those mallets on his head and they just grabbed him and just threw him on ice Set him over to, <laughs> set him over to Jack. Just keep him alive. <laughs> Jack's going to be your We're surgeon. We're going to bring He's... this whole thing back around. <laughs> We're going to be fine. Yeah, and then that fucking super heart's in Dick Cheney. All of a sudden you see him. Posture looks better. <coughs> Face starts to suck in a little bit. Loses the jowls. Hair's growing back. I just don't know why a guy like that would want to still be in the business. Like, at this stage of the game, like, is it just, he doesn't want to... Just, just the bailout money from Halliburton was like $150 million. And uh, that was to, and, and to become uh, vice president. So, wow. uh, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what drives any of those idiots. Yeah, that's what you've got to worry. Like, what, what do you, what's the end game? Like, where are you going when you're working that hard at 70? What are you, what are you shooting for? You trying to save the world? You're trying to tell people how it is? What is it? I wonder, you know? Can't, it can't Ego. totally be I want to keep making money, right? Can it be? Ego. Maybe. Maybe while you're alive, you're just alive. Maybe all these ideas that we have about people getting older and wiser, maybe that's all just bullshit. Maybe you just get older. 
Like a lot of people don't do it. <laughs> they just get yeah. older. So if they're fucking crazy when they're 30 and they want to take over the world, why do we automatically expect them to be on some path of like self-regulation and improvement to the point where they become enlightened and they, they don't want to take over the world anymore now that they're 70 and they've had 15 open-heart surgeries? <laughs> but no, it doesn't. They're just people. <laughs> My goodness gracious, Joe Rogan. Right? Hey, you know what? The uh I uh I think that that uh that uh, this has been a lot of fun and I love you to death. I think it's been a lot of fun and I love you to death as well. And uh the you know what I I, is... I can't believe it took us this long to go do this uh this thing. I'm I'm getting so fucked up that I can't respond anymore. You're so, fine. So it's always better if I just don't respond if I, once I get this fucked up. I completely understand your position. But right, from a, a fan's perspective and a friend, you've been amazing and fine. <laughs> and you could skate right through this like a goddamn champion. Like like uh, Tanya Harding before the incident. Right. Oh, Remember she her? Was the good. little fat God, thighs, the little, oh, good Lord. little freak could spin little, around, fly through the, the air. Yeah. Good life. She was amazing. That's you right amazing. now. That's you right now. You just you just have you like every great comic. You have a low self opinion of yourself. The, the it what? takes a certain no, amount was, of ego that was to easy be great. For you to say. I'm telling you right now, it takes yeah. a certain amount of ego to be great, and then a certain amount of ego to move past that, where you have to understand your ego. And you're one of those understand your ego guys, and so you squash that motherfucker every time it gets. So you're always looking for self deprecating moments, even in front of people that love you. Yeah, well, maybe I do. Maybe oh, I do. But it's because you're a bad motherfucker. There's no way you wouldn't be. If this, you wouldn't be as funny. It's, you, that's that's a whole part of the whole thing, man. You know, and uh, getting to know you and be friends with you at the comedy store has been really fun, man. Because uh, I, I love your comedy. I've always loved your comedy. I love watching you work shit out. I love hanging out with you. It's just fun, man. It's just fun. And having you on here has been just nothing but a blast. I knew it would be. I, I knew it would be, be hoot, too. So, uh, People right now are saying, no, don't stop. Yeah. No. I still have to drive 45 minutes to get to New Hampshire. <laughs> they listen no. to this in New Hampshire? Fuck yeah. They listen to Jeez. this shit in Dubai. In Dubai? We were, God damn it. We could have gotten work there if you wouldn't have been dissing No, them. I was just being honest with them. They got to get straighten their, their game up. Can't yeah. arrest people from saying the wrong magic word. They do. You know? I don't know if they do. But yeah, they, I just really. Uh, you got to get their game up. Uh, you know, at some point, you know, I did that uh, getting high with getting dug with high. Or did whatever. you do that? How was that? I got so fucked up, I I couldn't I couldn't even think. Doug wasn't there, like a flight attendant trying to bring you back into the runway. Come no, on. I, and I was there with I'm Josh Blue, agent. who smokes more weed than anybody. And, uh, <coughs> and Josh Blue, the comedian. comedian from Denver, yeah. who won last Comic yeah. Standing, and he has cerebral palsy, right? Funny as fuck right. is what he really is. Really funny. Yeah, Very funny. Really but fucking doesn't he, good. He, mean, he's one of the rare people that actually uses medical right. marijuana. And you for, can watch it. You yeah. can watch it relaxes that, that fucking tension in his fucking mm -hmm. muscular yeah. dystrophy arm or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, it's good to bring up. Very important to bring up. Because that's, that's a clear beneficiary of actual medical marijuana, unlike you or or me. Oh, no, that's not that true. That guy's using it for medicine. You know what? I, I was taking uh, Xanax. Uh, to sleep? To no to to get up, just to just to get out of bed. Yeah, for a while. Who? So Xanax is a tricky one. Yeah. How how long did you take it for? 
26 years. Jesus Christ. No, um, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm fucking with you. I'm not on Xanax. I'm step in as a fake not, pharmacological I'm, expert. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not on Xanax. I'm good. I'm good. The uh, I smoke a lot of weed, and that's good. And, I, you know, I drink a lot of uh, tequila, but I'd really... I'd like to thank the Jack Daniels folks for sending this over because this Fuck is yeah. fucking delicious. Um, that's a wow. Hmm. Man, I think I I think we're all real lucky right now. I think it's just a perspective issue. It's really a perspective issue of understanding what a strange time this is, you know, for all of us. Well, everybody's freaking out about Trump and freaking out about the future, and what are they going to do with Russia? Fuck's gonna you worry about Russia? How often is in Ron White's day has Ron White worry about fucking Russia? Well, you know we're already dead. So, I mean, in my in my opinion, there's I I, I don't I don't I don't worry about Russia. I really don't even think about Russia, but I also don't think about any of it. Mm. Uh, I mean, not not on not in details. I don't. You know, I was a presidential candidate. My my paperwork was completely filled out. I was a. I, I was a con- uh, candidate for the president of the United States this year. How dare you? Yeah. Who put who put you in? I did. You put yourself in. Yeah. Now, are you a part of the Bilderberg Group, or are you a supporter of any sort of the Illuminati? Anything that's going on that's ruling the world, Ron no. White? No. You were just going to run for president as yeah. a normal normal dude. How come I didn't hear about this until right now? I don't know. Research. Uh, How the fuck am I supposed to know you ran for president? Well, look. Uh, crap. Pull up Ron White for president. I would have had you in. Who would try to rig the election? Are you willing to do it again in four years? No. 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 You know what scared me mm. was that I, I, you know, I didn't realize anybody was taking this seriously. There you oh, go. my God. Ron White for president. Vote smart because you can't fix stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me at my house in, uh, in oh Beverly Hills signing the paperwork. Oh, my God. That is so hilarious. I've actually never made that face before. So I don't know where they got that image. But it's certainly not me. How God. weird, man. And so what happened? People took it seriously? Help support it was crazy. injured service members. War I had this on war, the drugs yeah, that I had, the, I, had, I had this war on meth thing that, is, uh, that, that I've, I felt like... Because, I, you know, I have the same... I have a comics perspective of the American people. Which means, for the last 30 years of my life, I've done nothing but travel back and forth across this country, upside, downside, one left to right, right to left. And I've uh, made these people laugh. I've drank with them in bars. I've had dinner in their homes. I've cried with them when their kids died. And, uh, you know, I know them. Donald Trump doesn't know them. Nobody else up there knows I know them. You know them. I know who they are. I know exactly who they are, and I know what bothers them. And one of the things that bothers them is the fucking meth is just killing everybody, and uh, and 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 nobody ever brought that up in this election. That meth, the meth, even the meth made here, not even the meth from Mexico, the meth made here in America, is uh, is uh, kills more people than ISIS ever will in this country, unless something fucking. I mean, you know, it, this is going on right now. Hundred people a day, dead, dead, dead. Hundred people day. a day. Hundred people a day, dead over the either the the byproducts of, of doing meth over a period of time. Hundred people a day, easy. How boom, many people boom, a boom. day die from skateboarding? Google that. I'd say a half a person a day. You think? Yeah. What do you think is like the most dangerous so, sport 
the people die from a day. Hundred well, people a day die if, from meth. If uh, if it would have been if I'd have been elected president, here's here's my plan. Uh, so this would have been the, the most dangerous sport would have been a, run a meth lab. If that would have been the most dangerous fucking sport, that would have been it. Uh, because I would put U.S. troops on the ground, and I would I, and I would put a bounty of twenty thousand dollars. If you can show me an operating meth lab, we'll go in there, boots on the ground. We'll give you eight seconds to give up your meth babies, and then we're gonna kill everybody in the fucking place, and we're gonna blow the place up. You would kill the dude from Breaking Bad, the yeah. teacher. No, I don't think that's real. But if it was real, yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. He's. You know what? Because he's killing people, right. and he knows he's doing it. Right. He knows he's doing it. He's doing it with just for profit. He's a profiteer. Could you just uh, enjoy a little meth, like a wine tasting? No. Just a little? Just a st- <laughs> oh, <laughs> good I, discipline? You know I could, but still. I would like to see if Navy SEALs did meth. If you could take like guys with a tremendous amount of discipline. Like, if you got Tim Kennedy to do meth one time, I guarantee he's not going to become a meth junkie. Or crack. Crack cocaine is even more addictive. Is it? Then, but but meth, you you know, you watch the deterioration of somebody on meth over a ten year period of time. It could be a most beautiful woman in the world, all the way down to skank in ten years, completely right, right, right. toothless. Fucking, it's horrible for you. Hmm. Yeah, man, we're going deep, deep down the world of neither one of us know what the fuck we're talking about. No, no, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Absolutely, we're not. I told you. I feel man. like a Navy I, I SEAL can smoke some meth. I told you a while ago. I'm too fucked up to keep doing the show, and you're the one that kept going. We're fine. I'll keep going Everything's if you do. fine. We're just in a, a civil debate about whether or not a Navy SEAL can smoke a little meth and just put it down and walk away because he's not a bitch. Okay? No. Right? It grabs your DNA, doesn't it? I don't think Who so. Knows? I think a Navy SEAL could. I don't think a Navy SEAL would do it in the first place. That's but if the they whole did, key for like to an army an investigation. Yeah, no. The army had to find out. Is it what is it? Is it willpower? It be, is it physical? Like, what's the deal? He'd be sucking a dick for a sandwich in the. No, I'm not kidding. <sighs> they don't want sandwiches. They want meth. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right. If they have meth, the sandwich has no importance. <laughs> It seems like for a lot of people that's the case, but the question is how how even are we, all of us? Like how many? Why why do some people have uh, cat allergies? Why do some people have peanut allergies? Like what the fuck's going on? How many people that smoke meth just smoke it and they go ugh? How many people smoke meth and bing, bing. just get it's a, it's a high note right? Yeah, like I we did with me and you. I don't think we know, right? Right. Because some people smoke pot and they go, well, I'll never do that again. Right. right but right. I, I didn't say that. You didn't say that. No. Uh, I don't like things that make me vibrate, and vibrate. I like to. I like to. That's, I like to nap. Responsible. Responsible methamphetamine use and community. <laughs> I use meth on occasion. <laughs> I'm not one of those crazies. Let's go through a oh gram my and god! Be up for four days. Takes a little straight. puff before work. Oh makes my a lot of money god! I don't know if this is real, but I mean, there are people apparently that agree with them, and there's a whole community. Of course, they do. Discussion. Bunch of meth heads. Yeah. Methods are all getting together, chewing each other's fingers off, saying everything's fine. And you know who's pitching in? The dentist. <laughs> the fucking dentist are fucking going, yeah, yeah, do a little meth. Do, do a little meth. We're going to make you a metal teeth and, uh, set. Like we'll... that dude from the James Bond movie. Arr. Jaws, remember that guy? Metal teeth. For a while, rappers were going with the metal teeth. Jamie, has that let up? No. 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 Interesting. It's your grill. Yeah, you gr- the grills are still yeah, in full for force? Sure. Definitely, for sure. Interesting. Ron White, have you ever considered getting a grill? Like maybe perhaps something with platinum and diamonds or no. something? No? Nothing? No. Like little, little Wayne-esque, I'm, perhaps? Um, you know, 
That's when, uh, you know, uh, Cameron decided to make my character bald. I don't know if you ever saw it or not, but it was pretty funny. You'd laugh at it. Did you see my character? I didn't see that show once. If I had known that in any way I could have helped and kept it on the air, I would have watched every episode. How do they find out who's watching? How do they find out? Uh, I feel like a dick for not watching your show now. I think I probably wanted to get around to it, but there's a lot of shit. Like, I haven't seen that... uh, Who's the black superhero? Uh, Luke Luke Cage. Yeah, Yeah, I want to see that show. I keep hearing awesome things about it. Now I'm in trouble because I said the black superhero, uh, even though he's exactly that. Oh Jesus! What other one? Like Netflix has a couple of. They have Daredevil. They have Luke Cage. Mm. What else they have? The Punisher, I think. Oh, they have the Punisher. That's right. That's what I'm hearing. Good things about that too. But more about Luke Cage than anything. I heard a lot of people. Somebody has a bit about Luke. Oh. Jerron Horton. Jerron Horton has a really funny bit about Luke Cage. Jerron Horton, who uh, opened up for me in Denver at the Comedy Works. Yeah. Is he from month. Denver? No, he's from here. He's from L.A. And you, brought a, you br- brought an opener all the way from... It's funny, man. I always bring openers. You don't bring openers? What are you doing? Oh, Texting I, people? I, Whoa, what's happening there? That's my character. Oh, Jesus Christ. What did they do to you? How I'm, rude. I'm bald. They made you look like shit. I like the glasses, though. And the T-shirt. Well, those are the glasses that they didn't like at the fucking audition. <laughs> those glasses are awesome. Yeah. Fuck them. That's yeah. funny, man. Yeah. The uh, so do took... you 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 enjoyed doing that show though? Yeah. Yeah, it was a blast. It was a, it was the, the 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 dialogue was a blast to do. You know, you'd 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 like it. You, you watched episode eight. The... Is it available on Netflix or uh, you gotta go to a Showtime app? Fuck I know that. I have Showtime. Do they Probably. do it on demand? Is it on demand? Yeah. I don't know. I saw it was on a TV. On a, uh, uh, I think it was a Delta flight. <laughs> I think right now those uh, providers, all these different people are trying to figure out how to get that straight. Like, so you can watch pretty much, it's, I mean, how many years you think, if you're realistic, how many years are we away from everything that everyone makes being able to be watched online pr- real close? It's just got to be some universal currency thing, some universal one-click like Amazon, something along those lines where you can get things like right. on the spot right after they come out. Because, like, you know, that's going to massively increase how many people watch your show or any show because some people just don't want to pay for that showtime package maybe they're broke maybe they so they have one chance like what do you want oh let's get hbo you know or maybe they're really cheap and they're like oh, i'm gonna go with cinemax i get cinemax only what's that cost 50 oh. bucks i don't know i don't know what it costs i have no idea cinemax is awesome <clears throat> that's not my point my point is that if you have it online if it's easy to get to you get this open river it's like the blockades you put up where it makes it hard for people to buy shit that's what fucks everything up like oh you want me to sign up oh, i don't want to sign up i gotta put my email address oh here comes the spam if there was just some one easy way that you could put that fucking thing online just one simple way where everybody could just give you like a buck or whatever a, it is buck. for an episode just real easy right. let me watch an episode real quick you know I agree it'd be you. goddamn everywhere it'd be everywhere Everywhere. Everywhere. It's just too, right now, it's too complicated. Right now, they're trying to figure out the, the various portals for people to be able to profit off these things. How do we start this? I can't wait. I can't wait to figure it out. Because I don't profit off of the internet at all. At all? No. You, ha- you definitely do. Because people on the internet love you, so they come to see you. Well, they, yeah, in that way, they, they do. They, you know, I do that. Yeah, that's a big part of it, right? Got to get the Ron White show started. Jamie, this is important. It needs yeah. to be done, right? No. 
No. What, what do you mean? A podcast? You no, you should no. do something like once no. a month. No. I've, you, you know commit what? to once a month. I'm this not... is once a month. It's not that much time for an hour. Ron White answers questions. All right. I'll do that. <sighs> Look what we did. Look what we did. Boom. Look what we've created here. All right. You don't have to. Did I put you on the spot? No. I feel bad now. No, so you know, like everybody's been on me to do it. But once a month, nobody said that. Once a month, nobody way to do said it. that. Everybody else is like 17 days a week. I'm Assholes. like, I don't have 17 days a week to Assholes. fucking do this shit. That's what I was going to tell you earlier. I, I would never encourage any changing of any of what you do because then you wouldn't be Ron White. But if Ron White decides at one point in time that he wants to change whatever behavior, if Ron White decides that he wants to start drinking carrot and ginger and garlic juice every morning and going to the fucking CrossFit gym. I'm drinking Jack Daniels with you, you're Mr. Mixed Message. <laughs> I'm definitely a mixed message. You are. I'm 100%. And uh, I'm guilty as charged. Just trying to s squeeze as much life out of this thing as we can, Ron White. I know. Squeeze. I know, but I'm not sure that helps. I don't think so either. The uh, the expression is little old man, hmm. <clears throat> not big old man. It's True. little old man. Little it's old little old man. You never hear anybody say big old man. It's poor old little old tiny, man. Tiny little, tiny little old tiny Look, man. He's got the cane. He's he's bent over. He's 104. That is the yeah, great you know. grave pulling him towards it. How fucked up is that? That it's ultimately what is actually happening to your body as you get older. You have a stick to fight off the slow pull of gravity. That's tenacious. That's just sucking you pull, into its grave. The undeniable constant pull that you could, you, it used to kick your ass when you were a baby mm. and you'd just fall over and kick your ass all the time and then you got a little stronger and then it got to where you could fucking run, and yeah. then it got to where you could jump, and you were like kicking gravity's ass for a few years. Mm. And but gravity never stopped. Never. Gravity never fucking stopped. Gravity kept on fucking tugging on your goddamn ass. Gravity's like Nick Diaz in his prime. Sucking you down to the fucking earth. Nick Diaz in his prime would land a lot of like fifty percent punches. He would just kind of like punch at your face until you got hurt, and then he would start digging hard. Boom, boom, boom. That's kind of like gravity. Gravity's just slowly chipping away oh, your right. meniscus right. and they your have no discs. Idea. Slowly you have no idea. Your posture, your hips. Oh, why do your feet hurt? Gravity, bitch. Slowly. Right. Ankles sucking into your fucking metatarsals. Into the lava the... from which you came, you Ron White. Motherfucker. note ladies and gentlemen that is the end of this podcast ron white is available for children's parties he plays clubs and colleges all across the country and <laughs> you can catch him all throughout the land ron underscore white on twitter ron white official on instagram is that correct sir that is uh yeah, I you, don't even know about the Instagram stuff. You're one of the baddest motherfuckers alive, Ron White. I hope you appreciate Joe, that. Joe Rogan, damn it. Uh, you are the one of the greatest motherfuckers alive. Thanks for having me on Thank the show. You, please, my honor. I know honor, it'd be a blast. Sir. And it's, 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 it's uh, fun that we hang out together so Fuck much. Yeah. And uh, we just really talked about this last week. And, yeah. and, and, uh, but it was a lot of fun. This hey. is a good time, man. Right, Thank man. you so much. All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Brian Redband. And, uh, Who's not near as interesting? Ya.
。はい。ああ。